Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Last Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Shankal. To his left is... Harry. And to my right... Dino Killen. Boom. Boom. What is happening? How's everyone this week? Oh, yeah, great. I mean, I just, just really tickled pink that Harry just goes by the one name. <laughs> it's like Cher or Seal, but just he's, Harry. He's he's earned it. Uh, yeah. he's, he's just like, to be called Harry. He's like one of those famous Brazilian footballers. He can just go by their surname and the house. And then his son be Harry Dino. <laughs> great. Harry is a surname. Harry, well, in all fairness, Harry isn't even your name. I think you've just started to believe it, Liz. Would you christen me again? What, like, christen me again? You christened me Harry 16 years ago. Was it with a bottle of Pepsi or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I thought it was a yogurt or something. <laughs> no, oh no, I was a whole different story. Uh, you know what I love about Harry, right? Is that I've got the fucking worst memory. Like I can barely remember what I done two weeks ago. Harry has a mind of a fucking elephant. He can tell me to the word what we done like fucking seventeen years, five months, and fucking three days ago. He remembers. And you know what? You basically are. You're like my. This is your life. You, you can just tell me what I've done in my life. Or like you're ra- your rain man. Is <laughs> what? It's like your rain man. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make a similar joke. I was, going, I was going to say, oh, there's a word for that, isn't there? Like, yes, yeah, autism. <laughs> Harry's not autistic. He's okay. <laughs> he's, he's fine. He's a normie. He's, he's, he's not laughing to you. Oh, yeah, no, no, of course not. Draw a line on that. <laughs> Like fucking it's time that night because <laughs> I was completely clutching. I completely forgot what I was gonna say. It's time for danger bottle. Every week we buy a bottle of alcohol around five pounds. I'm saying around five pounds because I broke it this week. <laughs> and we all drink it during the show because we're alcoholics. <laughs> so Harry, there it's in the top drawer. Just take it out, but don't say the name. No, my one, not your one. <laughs> Your one job, Harry. <laughs> oh my fuck, it's a big bottle. The fuck? Oh, it's a limoncello. No, it is not limoncello. Oh, I always want to try limoncello. It is it's limoncino. It's crema de limoncino. It's pretty much limoncello. <laughs> Your Italian is incredible, Mickey. <laughs> Prodotto <laughs> original italiano. Fuck me, Mickey. Never have seen the Gorgeous Bastards for like Brad Pitt's trying to do the accent. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. I actually wanted to get a really good pronunciation on this, so I was trying to ring my friend Flavio, who is an Italian man, <laughs> <laughs> and I sent him a picture of it and said, "Go and send me back." Like a voice recording of you saying this in your best Italian. 
Mm. And he's Italian, so it's pretty good. Like. But, uh, <laughs> no, he, he never he never sent it back to me. Ah, for fuck's sake. Oh, hang on. One last check now. <laughs> <laughs> you let me down, Flavio. Go on. What's, what's our percentage? Go on, give me it. What the fuck? Oh, actually, I can see it. 17%. 17%. Not bad. It's a lemon-flavored cream liqueur. Creme de It's a delicious blend of cream and the best Italian lemons infused in alcohol. The zesty fragrant lemon. I can't really read. The zesty fragrant let lemons. Use your words. I can't. What what was it last week? I couldn't say distribution. Fragrant lemons provide a true Mediterranean Mediterranean experience and a pleasant sensation. Of aromatic freshness on the palate, ideal served from the freezer over crushed ice or drizzled over sorbet or vanilla ice cream. Oh, that sounds phenomenal! Mm. Two questions: Has it been in the freezer beforehand? No. <laughs> Do we have crushed ice? No. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> what about sorbet? I'm really holding out for sorbet. Uh, same. Are we going to have like a couple of canapes coming on here? When's that fucking podcast? When are going to start rolling? It's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last time we checked? We'd made two pound this was a year. Two ninety nine. <laughs> oh, one fifty each. <laughs> That's the fair. So you know what the money. Oh, yeah. We. Yeah. But the amount of money spent, like you know, taxis getting here on these danger bottles, these all insistent having that. Let's be fair. The vast majority of them are not a fiver. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well I'm We've been doing better recently. There Just, was well, oh, actually, I meant to say Jill bought this, not me. How much? <laughs> Jill's a phenomenal uh, uh, she, danger ball she, buyer, though. She's great at buying the danger ball. This was £6.50. That's not bad. It looks like it could be dear because it's know, huge. I know. It's a very fancy frosted it, bottle. It actually it does look quite upmarket, too, doesn't it? I know. It does look it's like nice. someone you would see in a trendy wine bar. Uh, you would see that just on the shelf next to like a bottle of chilies or something. Uh, or like on the display. Yeah. With some flowers around it. Go and give it a go. It doesn't really smell of anything. Very good sign. Trying to lure you in. Oh, a good glug there too for the recording. I like that. Nice. Is that Hoochin? It just tastes like lemons. <laughs> That's a good thing. I've, I've always kind of wanted oh, to try this. with a slight kind of fairy liquidy taste afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like absolutely nothing. It I smells like water. It's, it's <laughs> strange. Oh. Uh, actually, it has a weird aftertaste. It's all right. Oh, it's very sweet. Yeah. Fuck me. And you don't really get any kind of kick alcohol from it. I don't mind because it's obviously on there. I don't mind getting the kick alcohol. No, I, if I'm drinking alcohol, I want to taste alcohol. Well, I, know, I could feel a burn in the back of my throat. No. Yeah. I, I'm just kind of getting like a kind of washing up kind of... It's very creamy. It's like having a dessert. Thing. No, Not for you, Harry. I like it. I still get, I do get that fiery liquid taste. I think I, it could become very, very sickening very, very quick though. Oh, Dan is taking a full glass yet. He's not even work. swigging. Oh, He's doing it right. Right. I just got a cold now. Don't he drink in the same bottle? <laughs> Does he? Aye. All right, then. No, just Dan's been not. <laughs> He's been telling lies. Do you have a cold, Harry? No, I have my sinuses are fucked. All right. Oh, okay. you're cold. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't have a cold. I have pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> sinuses is like a sign of cold? No, it's my allergy to dust. Everybody has an allergy to dust. Dan, what do you think that drink? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It does a job. Like. Yeah. Exactly. Please cut this. No, don't worry. It's going. Uh, can I pass that? You can pass that back to me, please. I want to have oh, why do you think of it, Dan? Sorry, I was listening. Oh yeah, no, it's it's all right. The after is quite nice, but that's. Uh, do you yeah. not get the kind of fairy liquidy kind of vibe? I do. Yeah, there? I mean, maybe if it was cold. I think it, it'll definitely do what it should do as well, and be in a danger bottle because it doesn't really taste like anything. You said it doesn't give you that alcoholic kick. 
But I guarantee this will get you fucked up pretty quickly. Yeah. Like 70% is that. What are you going with? Never have an order? So am I. Well, no, it's your third. If I have one. second. Fair enough, then. You both. Christ. Fucking hell, fighting over Dangerville? <laughs> <laughs> so, so to be fair, though, as well, Sham was like, you know, clawing at it whenever you were reading. Did anyone notice that? Unemployment's <laughs> <laughs> done strange things to me. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to me. I need my medicine. <laughs> Trying 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, from the night before. How, <laughs> how, how is that different from when you're employed? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Fair point, Mickey. <laughs> Jesus, you just shattered my illusion there. Don't you? <laughs> I really thought I was making a fair distinction between the two lives. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Jeez. Something to cap on me now, Why are you putting it down? Why are you fucking drink? Why are you putting it down then? Why are you so adamant? And he fixed myself. I thought you were done. I was so sitting I was on a nut. I was Jeez. sitting on a nut. Jesus Christ. Right, okay. Well, can I have me drink now? Is that okay? I, I don't give a fuck. Mickey, don't let him upset you. He's very upset. He's a big sensitive flower. I've said that thing before. You're too sensitive for a 27-year-old man. I'm just sensitive. You need to toughen up. No. <laughs> anyway, what have we watched this week, folks? Uh, before we continue, we do have another danger battle. Oh, what? I should. Oh, what? Double trouble? Harry's breaking out in like Shall. the fucking Kool-Aid man. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! Alice <laughs> Harry's catchphrase dude! Alice Lottily Harry's catchphrase! Hoorah! Harry, you're yeah. the fucking Kool-Aid man! <laughs> it's so good. I, but I text Sean about this the other night. I've already told back me. Harry's no, you haven't told me. I told you how terrible it's going to be. Oh yeah. I, I, well, you've, kind of, you've built it up so much now, so unless this is fucking literal dishwater, then... I'll, I'll be disappointed. That's very close to it. Okay, we'll fucking mop it out then, big man. Let me see what you got. Oh, yes. Oh, fucking hell. Frosty fucking jacks. We already had cider last week. Ah, uh, but that, this, this is on a different <laughs> level. This this speaks to me in many, many ways. This, this is essentially three years of my life, a.k.a. university. It's four, <laughs> four pounds for three litres of this barrack. Jeez, that's gone up, isn't it? Just what? by three pound? No, well, it was three pound, but then it moved up to about three thirty, and now it's what's well, four ding dong. Uh, Jeez, I, I got two liters for two pound a couple weeks ago. See the dangerous thing about ago. Frosty Jacks. By the way, <laughs> obviously, the for the listener who doesn't know, Frosty Jack is a uh, like an apple cider, but you get three liters of it. Like I've always said, it's not really drank for leisure; it's like an endurance test. The furthest I've ever got is halfway, just past the label. I dread to see what would happen there, man, if you finished a full one of these. I think you'd immediately be an I, alcoholic. I used to constantly finish them. What? Full barracks? Aye, do you know? <sighs> so you wait, Jesus, Mickey. You wake up with a pint Yeah, that, but that's another danger of the Frosty Jack, is that it is clattered in sugar. Like, there's aye, so aye, much aye, fucking caffeine in there. Every time. <sighs> you serious? I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, exactly. I don't remember university. Just yeah. uh, <laughs> get the wee picture of that on the... The old Twitter account, just so anybody who's not familiar. Why would we want to promote the sales of Frosty Jacks? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> I think as well, these new here, laws are bringing in. They don't hear that uh, they're going to like charge like 50p per unit or whatever it was. But if these laws <laughs> went through the way they were looking at them, a bottle of Frosties oh. is on like £15. <laughs> <laughs> it's ultimate bang for your buck. Like, I mean, it's great value. <laughs> I'm sure as well. You know the way people usually associate luxury here, with price? Come put both bottles together so we can get a picture of Frosties went up to £15 and all of a sudden it became like a, a chic item <laughs> like <laughs> Frosties needs big fancy black and white ads and all <laughs> je suis Frosty <laughs> <laughs> boom uh, Denny's yeah, so you, can, you can see the danger bottles on our Twitter once if, if, if you really want to go to your local supermarket and destroy your life for a couple of days does anyone I else mind, want to drink a when, when that whole thing about charging it per units though is like 
I mind seeing on news like David Cameron like talking to like somebody about cider and he was holding like an empty like two liter bottle of cider. He's like, "Wow, that's three pounds, and that would get you completely smashed." <laughs> 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 Terrible David Cameron impression as well. Yeah, I thought it was pretty close. Not right now. <laughs> that oh, no. is horrendous. Do you want to drink, Dan? Yes. It's probably been many moons. Yes. Oh no, Jesus! And he knocked over the candle. I sent them candle. This the place would go up instantly. <laughs> Just the amount of alcohol is in there. The amount of fumes coming off our persons, and then that fucking grim reaper. Actually, I'm getting, getting flashbacks trying to lift this thing to my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> I, actually, see, see, did you say that? I remember the night there was a friend who shall remain unnamed. Was fucking. It was abs- Dave Mahan, wasn't it? No, it wasn't even Dave Mahan. <laughs> it was absolutely blocked. And he just bought another three liters of Frosty Jacks, but he was trying to lift it, but he was that block that I kept slapping at his hands, and he was all, Jesus Christ, it's a two man job. <laughs> 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 just getting that to your lips. And that's what's fucking really heavy. It's three liters of fucking liquid. Look. I'm, I'm trying to make Danger Bottle trend on Twitter. It's <laughs> 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 never going to happen. If it does, we have arrived. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's just like misspent youth. Aye, that's yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it actually really reminds me of summer. I'm getting, I'm getting emotional over <laughs> here in the corner. <laughs> Frosty Jacks, the drink where dreams go to die. I swear to God. Like, even, oh, do you know what the worst? You live in the same house as me at uni. Do you remember that when we were clearing out that house, we found a bottle of Frosty Jacks that had been tucked behind a washing machine on top of a radiator for about a year and a half? It smelt like just death, mm. reincarnate. What a tis like. <laughs> oh, it was grand for me. Fuck like. It was grand like I was st- fucking fleeced that week, so I got it straight on the way. <laughs> it fermented a bit, so it was even stronger. <laughs> Came out like a cream. <laughs> oh. Oh. And Frosty. as you said, give me some of those cream liqueur. <laughs> Frosty Jacks, oh my word. Ah, the cream liqueur is nice. I do like it. I think I might get it again. Where'd she get it? Uh, Lidl, I believe. Oh. Continental. People maybe think we're getting paid off. The amount of, like, name brands we're dropping out. <laughs> Lidl, Frosty <laughs> Jacks. Yeah, it's all scraping the bottom of the barrel as well. Like, <laughs> I mean. So what have we watched this week, folks? I watched In The Loop. No, I don't watch anything. <laughs> I watched In The Loop. You live, like, years ago? I <laughs> <laughs> no, I was watching the thick of it and I thought I'll give it a loop and I'll go again. But uh, it's one of those things I have problems with comedy films a lot of the time, apart from the really good ones, in that they're too long. <laughs> what you're I, say? I hate comedy oh, films they're apart too, from the good ones. Yeah, they try and be funny. <laughs> I hate comedy films apart from the good ones because they're not as good. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me try one again. No, uh, most comedy films I feel like they, in the final act they, they fall down. There's, like, there's no sort of. Uh, gravitas or sort of a combination of things yeah. or they tack on some sort of romantic bullshit storyline that you're not even attached to anyway and it's just to give you that sort of final denouement like a resolution that no one really yeah. cares about at yeah. the end of the day anyway but I mean in the loop for me really stands out in that uh, well I mean the writing's stellar it's absolutely incredible uh, Peter Capaldi is amazing it. I, don't, who? I don't think Chris Addison gets enough credit for his work there because you know he just plays this absolutely sniveling uh, Sarky, yet I mean, still quite funny. Just fuck up, isn't yeah, he? I I never really understood why he's a different character and then the loop than the Well, they're all meant to be taking part in the same sort of universe. Yeah. So Malcolm Tucker would be, uh, you know, during the thick of it, you know, he would deal with a uh, dosak, isn't it? You know, yep. which is like a small sort of uh, what would you say, branch or <laughs> yeah, ministry? No, yeah, well, all the government. Yeah, branch of the government. Yeah, so you know they're quite local, but then for in the loop, you know, they needed like. 
those characters would not would not be able to go away to why would chris addison's character be doing all that kind of shit that sort of thing yeah but i mean there's some really it's odd (laughs) yeah but there's some really funny bits as well just talking pointing out like how ludicrous the entire i mean it's obviously about you know invading iraq and how awful it was what they did because it's based on lies but even still you have uh like the character who ends up getting you know something so small and insignificant that happens to one of his constituents even though he's talking about you know starting a war that will kill tens of thousands that's sort of the sell the sword that yeah that kills him do you know what i mean as this sort of thing where like you know is the uk really that big of a power anymore i know they actually have quite a lot of influence you know in like the english-speaking world as an ally of america but like let's be fair american politicians and uk politicians like deal with completely different problems i think, I think that's exactly what they're trying to point out to obviously our amanda wayne unbelievable satirist like and he's definitely trying to point out the fact that at that point especially in the iraq war which this film's pretty much dealing with it's almost like the american government are big brother and then britain are just almost kind of there not only because they're an ally and they have a bit of sway culturally because they used to have this huge empire but really that empire is completely dwindled away now and they're only really significant significant because they're probably like one of the most powerful english-speaking countries and they've got all these ties with the states you know what i mean yeah it's more because of cultural significance rather than any actual I, you know, I, think I, I think it's more of a historical significance because if you actually even look at the european powers like germany even france wouldn't have enough shit on britain you know it, what not, not maybe not so much economically but oh well no i definitely economically mm. and almost even like in a cultural sway too but that it's strange it, that how britain's power always remains i think it is like a sort of what would you say it's almost like a pander in the history in a way because they used to be so powerful well it's one of those sort of things as well i mean if you have one country that you know wants to declare war and go and do something then you know that's an invasion if you have two countries it's allies it's a coalition and it just reads a lot better but i mean not this straight too far into politics i mean the movie's unbelievably funny i think uses the best of british talent and also as well come on gandalf isn't it exactly one of Gandalf in his best roles now i think you know in terms of movies because he sort of he had a hard time trying to follow that sort of uh or get a role that maybe showcases talents as much as we all know he demonstrated them on The Sopranos. Well, but I think there's quite a lot of quite a lot of humor, or uh, Gandolfini can actually really stretch out a scene and make it very very funny. And yeah, I think and it looks fantastic. And there's that scene between him and Capaldi near the end of the film. So good. Yeah, you know these clashing ideologies where uh, yeah, he's like you know the the pacifist general versus like this. Somebody will do anything just to stay in power. Just yeah. to get one over. Aye. Mm. It's it's great as well with that because it's just all the wee slight observations that Ian Uchi throws in. It's always been a, a major strength, I think, of everything he's ever done from you know the day to day day. I'm sorry, excuse me, I'm on Partridge and stuff like that. But one thing I liked is that you notice just like you were saying how Britain really means fuck all to the American government, but they just use them as an ally to kind of justify the war that they're going to try and wage. He gets that across so well through these subtle scenes because, like, Gandolfini in that famous scene with Capaldi, he thinks Capaldi's English, and he doesn't even he doesn't even understand the separation of power in the United Kingdom between Scotland, Wales, you know, Northern Ireland and England, mm. and it just shows that they really don't have a clue about Britain, but they're just using them as almost like a it's like a puppet, you know what I mean? A puppet in their fucking war, their play that they're trying to wage against you know Iraq or whatever in the Middle East, but. I've, I've always found that very interesting. Yeah, there's that scene as well whenever uh, Tom Hollander and Chris Addison get off the plane and they're being picked up by a Secret Service agent. But he's got his name, he's spelt his name wrong on the actual, uh, you know, the, the 
placard to pick him up, but also says English government. He goes, well, yeah, that's not my name, and it's uh, it's British government. But then they're escorted into this like you know actual police escort yeah. where they're being taken towards like the White House, and Chris Addison's character starts taking like selfies out the windows, like, oh my god, look at this, this is amazing, and it's this sort of thing where like God, they're just so far removed, and he sleeps in for a meeting and everything because he was like in the past night before, yeah. and it's just this sort of thing <laughs> where I mean. People who work in government are people as well, but there's sort of like a degree of professionalism. I know I'm not saying in any way that people who work in the UK government aren't as professional, but I know like in terms of professionalism, as in the best and the brightest, you know America is just far and away best education system. They, you know they definitely get that across too because even it's like a running joke on the phone. Peter Capaldi keeps commenting on the fact of how young all the ministers, or not the ministers, but how young all the people involved in the American government are because of that education system you're talking about, and you're thrown under the lines then at a young age. Whereas maybe in like the UK government that you know takes a while they build up that sort of gravitas and it takes a while they kind of build up that knowledge. There's an interesting thing what you were saying too about like Chris Addison's character taking selfies. It just kind of shows how out of their depth there, and it's obviously a comment that Ianucci was trying to make in the fact that when it came to the actual Iraq war, and I don't want to get too much on the politics, but it's almost kind of went down in history now that George Bush just got Tony Blair in a fucking headlock and was all right, let's do this, and like in a way, Brunton was sort of subservient to. The United States during that, you know what I mean? Mm. But no, you're totally right, what you're saying. What I watched this week <laughs> was, uh, well, I, I've been watching a lot of the Oscar films to kind of get ready for the Oscars next week. But we'll talk about those later. But they're all very quite depressing. So I was trying to cheer myself up a bit. So I watched Last Vegas. What the fuck? I watched that this week too. Really? Yeah, it's fucking awful. Yeah. <laughs> My dad is, loved it. Is it just because it's just been added to Netflix on I And it was like two o'clock in the morning yeah. and it was blocked. <laughs> I, I was almost the very same set of circumstances as yourself, which <laughs> is crazy. It was probably the same night. It probably was it. the same night. What night did you watch it? I can't imagine. Oh, I was Monday night. No, Blade, no I, was, I wasn't morning. blocked Monday night. Why? That's right. You have a I, job. I have a job. <laughs> But yeah, I, I kind of wanted to just brush over that. It's Michael Douglas, Robert De Niro, Kevin Klein, Stecklenburg. and Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Stecklenburg, that's the fucking Dutch goalkeeper. Steenbergen? Steenbergen, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's easy to confuse the lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> I think she is possibly, not to go too much on it, but she, that woman's defying agent. She is over 60. Yeah. She's phenomenal looking. She's so hot. She's so hot. Like, absolute guilt. But anyway, continue. But yeah, no, I don't really want to spend too much time. It's it's pretty shitty. There might be a few laughs in there. I think Kevin Klein's the funniest thing on it. Big mm. time. Which I really like because out of that cast, he's the only one that isn't an absolute superstar. Like he was yeah. kind of big in the late 80s and he won his Oscar, was supporting actor Oscar. And then he... Don't diminish it, Jeff. No, no, but no. <laughs> well, supporting actor, like, you know, they get full on actor. It does sound really dismissive. In all fairness, so they're all up. I mean, like, I, I kind of thought that was... Uh, well, it was obviously intentional too. That's like obviously Morgan Freeman, Oscar winner, De Niro, Douglas, Oscar winner, and Kevin Klein's Oscar winner too. But he is by far like out of, even the, out of the older generation actors, you wouldn't think, oh, who's the most famous? Even yeah. the second, he wouldn't think, oh, Kevin Klein. But massively underrated actor. I love Kevin Klein. Like, yeah, he's great. But uh, another better comedy that I watched was Tommy Boy. Have you ever watched yeah. it? Chris, oh, yeah, Chris Farley. Chris Farley and David Spade. And I, I just whacked it on because it I think it ha- had, like, an anniversary there recently, like, 20 years or something like that. So uh, I was watching a thing where people were talking about it, and they were just talking about Chris Farley in general and just actually how funny he was. And I've never really been exposed to much of his stuff. Like, I think I've seen, what was that, like, the ninja one he did? 
But also, there's a well lot of famous Saturday Night Live sketches I did as well. It was big. What was it? Late eighties. It was his thing. Late eighties. Oh, you mean on SNL? Yeah. I would have been late eighties. He's fucking dead. He's dead. Harry really cares about What's he done? What's he done? Decomposed. Pretty much. Oh no, him and John Candy are working on films there. It's called Afterlife. Laughter life. Terrible. But no, I'd, I'd never really been exposed to much of his stuff, so I just decided to whack it on. It's on Netflix as well. And it's actually really fucking funny. Like, it's uh, Chris Farley plays the son of a guy that he, he owns this, like, motor parts business or something, and they're, like, they're kind of, like, a big deal, but he always kept it, like, a family business, so he's bringing his son in and all's here, but his son's an idiot, kind of. But, uh... Classic Farley. <laughs> <laughs> But it like so, like a lot of the stuff is just all oh, big dumb fat guy does something stupid kind of thing. But just Chris Farley just sells it so well, and he is just going to keep on doing it until you fucking laugh. <laughs> like he's just so committed to everything, and I think it's just one of his best strengths. Like he he just goes for it, and he he just makes you laugh, even yeah. if it's just a stupid fucking joke. Like and David Spade as well. I mean, like re- like more kind of recent times. He, uh, David Spade's just kind of like a bit annoying and he gets he, he, serious he, about the hit like. he, he, but he always kind of plays that kind of weaselly character and he he does the same thing here but you actually end up really liking him in the film because uh, him and Chris Farley end up becoming friends spoilers in the film <laughs> but uh, no but there's there, he, he's he's just really funny in as well and just the actual chemistry between the, the two of them is really good and it just kind of made me feel like a sense of just sadness that Chris Farley actually died young because he had like he was a massive drug addict drug and stuff. Addict. I think he was like twenty eight or something like that, like fucking super young, twenty eight or twenty nine or something. Was yeah, and huge was the talent. Like. Let's be fair as well. I mean, the man was massive. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, it's like oh, he's a, big, he's a huge drug addict. I mean, I'm sure like you know being no, but no, I, <laughs> he, no, but he was a serious massive drug addict. Oh, really? like, I mean, like he had a serious serious problem, but um. I know it was just it was just kind of once again made me feel sad. All these fucking films make me feel sad. But <laughs> too sensitive, Mike. I'm telling you, you're far too sensitive for the modern world. But um, no, it's 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 really funny, and it's just a shame that he did die so young. And like I think him and David Spade could have made like a cocaine double act. Well, I mean, like that's that's what I was going to say. There's an older David Spade and Chris Farley film that sounds actually very very similar to one you're on, but it's called Black Sheep. And I remember it used to be on ITV, fucking flat out during the late nineties. Actually, I think that's the one that had an anniversary recently, and then people started saying that's not as good as Tommy Boy. Ah, right. No, I have heard a black sheep. It isn't that great. I mean, the main strength of it is the sort of dynamic between David Spade mm. and Chris Farley. But if you like Tommy Boy, maybe give it a go. I really don't remember much about it. Just that Chris Farley is the black sheep of the family. Hang on, him and David Spade play brothers, oh, right. and they go. I think they go on a road trip. Don't quote me. They go on a road trip and Tommy Boy. Yeah, because, <laughs> I, because it's literally been. I'd say nearly fucking 15 years since I've seen it. What I heard about Black Sheep, though, is, like, you can tell, like, Chris Farley's kind of in worse shape, like, his, like, addiction's well, sticking his, more. His, his neck was always pretty bad. Like, <laughs> no, you know, no, but, like, he was, you he can, was never Brad Pitt, but nah, I don't, I, I don't I, like, you, like, you can actually kind of see a bit more of, like, his troubles coming through or whatever. Mm. Just as a wee bit on a side, uh, does anyone have a favourite Saturday Night Live performer? While we're sort of half broaching oh. the topic. It's a good one, actually. I, I say, yeah, I've never actually watched that much of SNL stuff. Like, I mean, I've seen clips and stuff, and I actually looked up some of Chris Farley's stuff after watching Tommy Boy. Like, there's there's one he did with uh, Patrick Swayze where they're both 
auditioning to be Chippendales. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that, yeah. <laughs> just Swayze keeps on complimenting of, uh, Chris Farley on his dance moves. He's like, I, like, I wouldn't be half the man if you weren't standing next to me, man. <laughs> <I was there. laughs> you make me a better dancer. I, I, don't, I would only ever watch compilations of Saturday Night Life because a lot of it I, I find quite twain about like sort of naff humour. But I, I don't know. You, I'm, I'm hard pushed to say anything about Will Ferrell. Look, I mean, just from yeah. what he's went on to do, you know what I mean. Mm. I'm mean, like, maybe if it was, you know, the late 1980s, it would have said Eddie Murphy because Eddie Murphy was a fucking phenomenon when he first burst out of Saturday Night Live. Or Bill Murray. Uh, or Bill Murray. Uh, Eddie Murphy as well. Which remember they had their 40th anniversary yeah. recently, and there was a whole big thing about Eddie Murphy coming back for the special, and he literally came back and done like a 15 second but where he doesn't do any sort of performance. He just kind of the give him a special recognition award or something like that and it's just him kind of mm. ticking in the audience well it was, it was having Chevy at the very end yeah they didn't really have anything to yeah. do on it Yeah, but I think it's because he had so many feuds with SNL but I mean a while, well, most people just kind of give Eddie Murphy the credit like he saved SNL in the 80s I mean yeah. like, that was about to tip over and oh, be really? cancelled like, mm. and Eddie Murphy kind of saved it and a while a lot of people were saying that even though he's got the feuds with like the producers and you know maybe the higher ups at SNL that it was actually kind of an insult that without Eddie Murphy SNL would have been fucking canned yeah. about 20-25 years ago you know what I mean yeah well it's Lauren and Lauren Michaels he's, it's Lauren Michaels, the, yeah, yeah. he's a producer uh, to me I know I, mean, I think Obviously, Feral, uh, Belushi as well. I would romanticize the Belushi era, and you know, a wide lot of it actually can't really find online. But whatever he has done seems very well. But I mean, Polar as well. Polar yeah, and Faye have done Polar. some fantastic stuff on that yeah. and, and, and their humor suits it. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a great thing to see as well. Besides Sisters, which I watched last week, which I re- it's one of the few times that I've ever seen two performers do a film. And I thought to myself, Jesus, you are so above this. And I think what got them even more is that. Most of the stuff that Polar and Faye have all written or produced or starred in, it's always been of a certain quality and it's always had a certain sort of humour. But Sisters, it's obviously not written by them. I'm not even quite sure if it's produced by them, but it's not their sort of humour whatsoever. It's kind of like toilet humour and stuff like that. And it's kind of, it's, well, it's, but it's sort of beneath them, you know what I mean? But anyway, besides that, but ju- I think just they're... Just seconds on that the two films they have done together haven't been very good yeah which is even strange. though like they're such a strong pair and like even when they did the golden globes and all like everybody loved them re- thought they were funny they're both really great doing their own stuff but then you put them together in a film and it just seems to be bad maybe know? too many cooks because i don't know yeah. i mean like uh with Faye, i mean obviously mean girls i think stands out as being I a very it. very good genre yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh exactly uh, yeah so i mean it all works uh i'm well. i mean like parks and rec is a fantastic show excellent and yeah. as well she's main producer on a show that me and dan really like broad city which is going to strength to strength and it could be one oh of yeah the i ones. wonder they start watching that do it most of series has lovely just started this week so you got two series to catch up on, man. I handled your resident as well. Uh, lots of his stand ups just been uploaded there at Netflix. He yeah, is incredible. He's so good. Do you recommend Saturday Night Live as well? Uh, have you ever seen the old Prospector? But no. with uh, Will Ferrell. Oh, is that when he's all, oh, PG? Uh, it's, it's one of the worst <laughs> skits ever I've ever seen. But he just, it's Ferrell, so he makes it work. Do you I mean yeah. he commits to everything 100%? Yeah. I know, yeah. that that was never actually shown. Like, it's, no, just, no. it's just a rehearsal clip, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I, I watch it all the time. I think I watch it more than any side of my life skits, to be honest. It's, it's, it's actually surprising, too, that they didn't use it because. Oh, be fuck. Honest, the amount of shit that goes on the SNL is incredible. We forgot the best Saturday Night Live person ever Chris Earl Logan? Yeah. No, Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> no, I just you I just know. mind it because you see Jimmy Fallon and that guy's just hanging himself up. You know all the time, yeah. You know that he is my least favorite person. Also, apparently, doesn't have a good reputation. Now, I don't want to fucking. Well, you are so. Well, <laughs> chance <laughs> gossip corner. It's not. It's not really gossip corner because I have read a stack of articles that have kind of pointed towards this. But when he was on SNL. A lot of the other performers used to crack up because obviously one of the main things about being a stand-up or being like a comedy performer 
is the ability not the corpse and basically corpse means not start to break up and laugh during a scene Aye, which completely wrecks thing apparently he is horrendous for it Aye, he does it in every sketch he's yeah well not even that they're looking at his fucking talk show he can't even keep a straight face saying a fucking stupid sentence he's you know having what I mean? a good time man. I Jesus. fucking hate him <laughs> <laughs> I really can't stand him like, and saying that Bill Hader is really bad for corpse and I think he's class yeah but he has talent yeah that's, that's why he gets away like, he you does. know what I mean <laughs> Basically, Shan likes Bill Hader. He doesn't like Jimmy Fallon, so <laughs> Jimmy Fallon yeah. doesn't like to do it. Yes. It's, like, it's like an old thing as well. Like, you know, oh, when it's not an homage, you want it to rip off. It's like, well, it's an homage, and I like it. It's a rip off, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's confirmation bias all the way. Uh, Shan, what did you watch this week? I watched uh, The Limey by Steven Soderbergh, 1999 film. Uh, the Limey? The Limey, yeah. Well, it's, it's like, obviously that, that sort of phrase for well, the phrase americans use for english people lamies oh yeah no i would because I, I wasn't sure if you said lamey or delamey or something. <laughs> like, mm. uh, coming this summer delamey hey, you uh, won't believe what he gets up to <laughs> october 4 <laughs> best release since ever i absolutely love that thing. every film should be released on october 4th i I know I'm going to be sad in the cinema sometime and a trailer comes on and it's going to be released October 4 and you're going to lose your shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it happened! <laughs> Do you know why English people are called limeys? It's because of lime, scurvy. scurvy on the ships and stuff. You're going to say Lyme disease? Lyme disease. <laughs> <laughs> scurvy. That's what I was on. They, they didn't yes. have access to lemons, so they used limes. Bam, Mickey. I only, the... I only knew that from a Doritos advert. Saved by the power of citrus. <laughs> the buoyancy of fruit. But, uh, <laughs> oh, I got it. I much ever quote. Oh, I love a baby. But I the limey, the limey. Uh, really good film. Uh, the reason I watched it, just like Las Vegas, it's only been added to Netflix. I think about a week and a half ago. Steven Soderbergh has like a seriously diverse, and he's exceptionally prolific as a director. He's got so many films to actually catch up on. Even though he's only been directing for about twenty years, he's fucking got a huge plethora of films. So I watched Hayware a couple of weeks ago, and that what was, was that kept. Like? That, well, that's I'll go into limit. That that's good, but it's it's a wee bit stop start. And G, uh, what do you call her? Gina Carano, who yeah. is uh, was in Deadpool, yeah, Angel and does. Angel and Deadpool. She was obviously an MMA fighter, and you can tell that that was her first ever film because her acting's very limited. They actually had even overdubber like in her lines of dialogue for most of Hayware, and it's it just throws you off a wee bit. I do you notice she says fuck all in Deadpool. <laughs> ah, exactly, exactly. She has very limited dialogue. It's actually the very early uh, performance by Fassbender in Hayware as well. Yeah. He plays an Irish hat man who's also like a jiu-jitsu it's, it's, it's a bit ridiculous. I they have a cool fight then, I don't know. It's actually really good in the hotel room. Aye. But anyway, the Lamey. Uh, so because I'd watched that crime thriller by... Uh, Soderbergh, obviously, like you look at the the Oceans trilogy, that's more caper. It's more fun. So I wanted to see more shite. <laughs> more shite as well. Oceans Eleven's pretty I know good. the first one's good. Yeah, twelve and thirteen are. Although I never actually seen thirteen. I was I was just too ashamed. I love we're just running through Soderbergh's entire filmography. What do you think about Sex Lies and Videotape? <laughs> but it is it is that thing. Well, it's twelve, isn't it? Where they use the character played by Julia Roberts to go on stage a thing oh, where I they basically that, that is ridiculous horrendous, horrendous. we talked about awful. that last week awful. but I, it, it's still, oh, wow. still even just last week eh? Aye, just last week I guess who didn't listen to last week's podcast <laughs> I've been buzzing sorry guys sorry nobody listens but yeah delay me I'll just give a brief synopsis of the script it's a very very it's it's a paper thun 1D script I've ever seen it's it's a complete vengeance plot uh, Terrence Stump who I think is one of the most mm. underrated British actors ever love just, that guy same here. I mean, like, he's just—he has an intensity that very few actors have, and it's literally just because he always looks angry. No, you know what? <laughs> it is? It's really good delivery. Uh, well, no, obviously. What did you say? Uh, it's really good delivery. 
right. Okay, so on there now. <laughs> I was pretty thin there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be quiet for a bit now. Uh, essentially, he plays a English gangster who's just got out of prison and he travels straight to Los Angeles because his daughter has just died in a car accident. How does he travel there? <laughs> By plane. <laughs> but, um, By post. <laughs> With haste. <laughs> but... He travels to Los Angeles. His daughter has been kind of mixed up with a couple of bad fellas out there. A few, like, uh, Hollywood money men. Oh, Taylor's all this time. Exactly. <laughs> it, it really it really is. Like, it, it really is a very, very simple plot. But she's died in a car crash. Terrence Stump doesn't buy it whatsoever. He travels out there, tries to find out exactly what happened to her. And it's basically him just going about and intimidating these fellas that she was hanging about with before her death until he, like, he uncovers the truth. What I fucking absolutely loved and it was a really standpoint about the film was the use of Edlam. There's a really strange use of Edlam where when these kind of seminal scenes are happening, it'll edit back to things that have happened before that are kind of like not even important, but it, it just brings you back that moment and it's almost like it's trying to create this seamless quality throughout the film and throughout like you're almost seeing the character's path step by step as you go along. Uh, another thing that's really cool in the Edlam is that, you know what, usually when you have a flashback scene, there's a couple of flashback scenes to Terrence Stump when uh, he was younger and him and his wife were kind of getting on really well and stuff like that before he went to prison and before they had their kid. But they actually use footage from a Ken Loach film from the 60s called Per Cow, and it's actually Terrence Stump and a female character that he played, uh, well, he acted with in Per Cow. But the way they edit it is it, it's almost like that footage fits some of the narrative of this film as well. But it just adds this amazing version of Molitude. Instead of seeing another actor playing Terrence Stump, seeing a young Terrence Stump, happy and smiley with, like, you know, his wife, which is now his wife in this narrative, and then contrasting that, because it's really grainy old shitty 1960s film footage, contrasting that with this really stylized, sharp-looking uh, aesthetic with Terrence Stump looking older and really mean and fucking angry. It just, it has a serious effect. Uh, what I like to, it's just, because it's so simple, I think that's something that stood out to me. You see a lot of crime thrillers, well, fair enough, it's 1999, but you see a lot of crime thrillers even the past 15 years that always have to have a niche, or they always have to be high concept, or there always has to be a hook in some way. This is just a very basic story that is just directed very, very well, edited very, very well, and Terrence Stump is the main focus. He's fucking excellent. I mean, I, I Did don't... Did say he put a stamp on? Bam! <laughs> I don't think you could see a man that has more brutal intensity. Like, there's a really famous line in the Limey where he walks out after, like, fucking... It's the very start, so it's not a spoiler, but he fucks up a couple of guys who were connected with uh, his daughter, and he's all, you tell that fucker I'm coming. <laughs> but he really, I mean, like, his teeth are literally chattering off each other, and you're like, fuck me, Terrence, fucking chill out, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, I like the fact that it's so low-key. There's none, you know, none confusing. It's just very straight to the point, but just every element is done very well. And there's a kind of, like, stripped-back kind of casualness to the film that I really liked as well. Uh, cinematography too it's like simple cinematography but because they're shooting around Big Sur in California which is just so naturally beautiful anyway everything looks amazing you know what I mean but they don't have to end, end, there's no you know overly long tracks there's no kind of Dutch angles or strange shots or anything that would kind of stand out it's just standard sort of framing but the way it's framed and you know using that landscape because I mean I, I remember being at a uni and stuff like that and the, the, the teacher in the course said that the best thing that you can ever do, Maison Sameways, or the best thing that you could ever do when you're when you're blocking or putting together a scene is location, location, location. If you mm -hmm. have a good location, like Big Sur in California, which is just phenomenally fucking beautiful, you're sorted. 
as a cinematographer, as a director, you don't have to do that much. You know yeah. what I mean? But just to go back as well, this sort of like the maybe the editing techniques and cinematography. No, I haven't seen uh, the Limey, but in terms of Soderbergh, it's one thing I've always been impressed by him that he is completely versatile. And as well, I mean, like the two ones that really stand out for me is uh, Contagion. Yep. And side effects. Yeah. Now, two very, very recent films, but, uh, well, you know, in terms of, like, how much he's actually released. But they talk about him as well in terms of content. Uh, Contagion was released before side effects, and yep. we sort of had this idea where it's, like, this sort of paranoia. It's tapping into something here that maybe is wrong, and, you know, he's trying to maybe give, like, a sort of polemic or, you know, an argument yep. against something. Pandemic. And Whenever side effects Why came, a reference? Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got those boot toss, baby. But <laughs> then, when you get these side effects... I sort of expected the same, but, you know, in terms of, like, a pharmaceutical bench, you know, talking about this problem that people have, they're not able to pay for the drugs, but then side effects just takes you down this completely, just really weird path you don't see it coming. But that's one thing that stands out for me for Soderbergh, because if you look at Contagion, there's lots of big shots and that, you know, there's a lot of use of extras, you know, just to instill panic and instill that this is, this is affecting a lot of people, and I think you sort of need that in that type of film. But uh, he's the type of director to me that, yeah, as I say, versatile, but he tries to do as little as possible if yeah. you know what i mean to get this shot that he wants i mean i think i think he's an incredible director i mean Thanks just uh, uh, he's retired now is he not no he keeps saying no, he's gonna retire no it's this utter bullshit that he says he's retired but oh uh, he does a tv movie beyond the cab or behind the camera cab- cab- uh, uh, the neck as well hey and then he was he was he what he produced that and he did he direct no he direct i know he directed a couple of episodes aye. at least yeah and so he was doing the air, and then he said, oh, I'm coming out of retirement to do this Matt Damon film or, yeah. something, or a Channing Tatum film. No. I was like, fuck off. You haven't been retired. No, it's no. bullshit. I mean, if there's but anybody that has never been retired, it's Steven Spielberg. <laughs> he is probably the most prolific man in Hollywood. But He's but, constantly putting out projects. Like. But uh, what I was going to say is... He's, he's going on about how well his stuff's edited together, but he used to be an editor. Yeah, of course. I, and uh, I changed three. It was... Uh, I heard an interview with Rob Lowe, and he's in... Is it Behind the cam- Candelabra or Beyond the Candelabra? Behind. Behind the Candelabra. Oh, that's the sequel, Beyond the Candelabra. Um, <laughs> just no, 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 no. <laughs> the <laughs> <first> new project. <laughs> no, that's the third one. The second one's Beside the Candelabra. Uh, <laughs> I, I, walking past the Candelabra. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Scoop. Um, Scoop McGee. <laughs> But yeah, Rob. Oh man, what a story! <laughs> Rob Lowe was talking about that they were shooting this shot of like he arrives at uh, he he arrives at like Michael Douglas's door, so it's shot from over the shoulder of Michael Douglas, so it's just on Rob Lowe. So they should a regular scene like aired, they would shoot from that point of view, then they would go to the other side, shoot the other point of view, then they just shot it from one side and. Steven Soderbergh was like, okay, let's move to the next shot. And Rob was like, do you want to get coverage on the other yeah. side? He's like, no, we don't need coverage. Like He he knows. He, mm. he edits in his head. He knows exactly what shots he needs. And that's why he can be so pro- prolific that he can shoot quick because he yeah. knows exactly what shots he wants yeah, and he doesn't need yeah. to do any extra stuff. Big time because it's 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 crazy as well and it is actually just going back to Lamy, but I think it's just this inherent talent that Soderbergh has over, I would say, near enough any other director that all the stuff how he frames it, like I was saying before, always looks, I wouldn't say basic, but it, it doesn't seem that eye-catching, but it still draws you in a certain way, and I think it draws you in a certain way because of the editing techniques that he usually brings in, and as well, and obviously being an editor, he knows how to merge sound and image, he always has phenomenally catchy, or soundtracks that are going to match with the images perfectly, he uses Cliff Martinez a lot, he actually uses, Christ, I can't remember his name, David Holmes is it, he's actually from Northern Ireland, He's a Northern Irish uh, film composer. 
he used him during the Oceans trilogy and stuff like that too, but he's got this great talent of being able to merge the image that the sound then becomes more kind of pronounced and it kind of gives a natural rhythm to the montage or to the to the editing process in general. But uh, no, he's a very interesting director, very interesting, a very, very different director as well in, in the way that not only is he ridiculously prolific and ridiculously versatile, but he's very, very experimental with editing techniques. Yeah. And I think that for someone who maybe hasn't seen a lot of Soderbergh, it might throw them off, but I think you can appreciate it straight away. And because there's so much it, they appreciate You know what I mean? Your quad's on, kid. Harry, what have you watched this week? I watched a razor last night. Yeah, just, just talking about, <laughs> just talking about experimental cinema. <laughs> <laughs> just Schwarzenegger. Ah, uh, Schwarzenegger. I, uh, I was just added to Amazon Prime for a little bit of time only. That's how they get I like as well. We're not finally for once. We're not giving a show to Netflix. Amazon Prime's getting that. I've mentioned Amazon before. No, Harry, what do you think of uh, the direction of Chuck Russell in that film? <laughs> Did you? I have Fuck off, you! <laughs> that, that, Dan literally just put down his phone and like, oh, so what do you think about Chuck Russell? You just fucking hate me, that, you bastard. That's what, <laughs> what Dan's done for every podcast. He's just fucking winged his way through. Fucking cheat. <laughs> How'd you feel about the film, Jim? I enjoyed it. Even though it's fucking what's, what, what What's it actually about? I've never seen it. It's about a, a weapons company that makes <laughs> this miniature railgun it's not meant to exist so the girl who is meant to be testifying against the company testify sorry uh, <laughs> sorry sorry go ahead fuck you <laughs> smack him Harry she's meant to be so she goes into witness protection and the one who helps her Arnie works for something called Witsec what's Arnie's Witsec. name that fellow again John the Eraser Kruger. Also, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a razor. Yeah, me and I, me and I had a debate last night. What's better, John the Eraser Kruger or John Matrix from Commando? Why is he called the Eraser? Because he erases people's identity and gives them a new one. That's shit. His last name should have been Eraser Oni or something. Like that. <laughs> 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 about Arnie names. I really like Jericho Kane. What's so, what's happening? Uh, end of days, yeah, Jericho Kane. Fucking yeah. end of days, Jesus, that's bogging. What's what's <laughs> what's his name in fucking Last Action Hero? Oh, I can't remember. Kindergarten Cop is Detective John Kimball. He's actually, he's, <laughs> the, no, he's, the, he's fucking, he's named John quite a bit. John Kimball, John Kruger, John, John Matrix. Maximum Everyman. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. If there was ever not an Everyman, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Continue, I, think, I think it's Steve and Last Action Hero. Was what Jack, is it? Jack Slater. Jack Slater. <laughs> October 4. <laughs> He'll see you later. <laughs> but you won't see him coming. <laughs> but, but the bad guy in Eraser is James Cobb. He's his oh. girl. Oh, he, he works, he's like Arnie's uh, teacher. Well, he's his protege. And then he is this corrupt wet sick. You know, looking to you know make money f- from these uh, miniature guns. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm sorry, but <laughs> right, we're getting too deep on this. I thought it would be like a ten second description <laughs> of the fucking film. Honestly, what is? They worked out the effect they have like a green gun shoot through a wall, uh, so that's why they made a razor. 
there is also a scene where the River Zoo, Alan, is the worst CGI crocodiles ever. <laughs> Arnie shoots a crocodile in the head and he just goes, your luggage. Oh, your that luggage. is fantastic. <laughs> Aye, it's so good. It was a CGI crocodile. I, I mean, surely they worked out crocodiles. That <laughs> I mean, you had Happy Gilmore, you had Crocodile Dundee. Well, Razor's know. what, 98 or something? 96. Mate, fuck me, that is 20 years old already. Oh, when was Crocodile Dundee? It's like 80. Yeah. 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 on Facebook. Here's to make you feel older. Razor's 20 years old today. <laughs> 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 oh, no. Geez, where's the time gone? Fuck <laughs> me. <laughs> I remember the first time I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Start up my love of cinema. <laughs> no, actually, no, no, I don't give a little respect to Razor. saying... <laughs> that was incredible actually, <laughs> actually no uh, Happy Gilmore was 20 years old recently oh just to say Harry what what did you think of a racer then like out of five good, yeah. oh yeah we went off one now. out of five choppers how many would you get to <laughs> out of five I'll go for three Oh, three choppers oh, one two three choppers <laughs> one two three choppers <laughs> listen to the Arnie theme podcast <laughs> the interviews have snapchat now, because I am not a whore. <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> I have to cut that out. Bastard! It's about phone. Snapchat is just pure pornography. I oh. snap Harry all the time. Yeah, exactly. I was about a week <laughs> ago. I, I have Arnie on Snapchat. Oh my word! Oh, oh I saw what that. Was that's his dick look like? Right. So he <laughs> held up. He was in Los Angeles, and he held up his phone, and it was just him. He was going. This is the best Snapchat ever. And then he, he turns it around and then there's a helicopter in the sky and just goes, get to the chopper. <laughs> oh, yes. So good. Like. Yes, it gives the people what they wanted. It, it, I'm sorry, Harry, though. That's not a very good Arnie impression. He sounds like a camp German. Man. <laughs> like camp German. Well, in fact, he is Austrian, Get to right? the chopper! <laughs> That's <laughs> what you said. Oh, Franz. <laughs> what is my hand? Start do? the blades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, are they, going, are they going for a fucking helicopter ride or a shave? But I'm open, maybe. Whenever he starts going, one, two, three, four. Yeah, mine's just fucking half decent. No, that's, that's military precision shit. Yeah. Right? You can, you can do the, 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 the Arnie scream or the Arnie, you know when Arnie's in pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what he's that's fucking total recall yeah. when he's in the surface of Mars that's fucking easy that's man. Fucking <laughs> that's <laughs> by the way another masterpiece <laughs> that's not bad either I love it hold on totally we were just awesome. talking about Dawn of the Dead and that remake the remake of total recall not so good <laughs> it was alright yeah, yeah well I didn't need to be remade no I, well nothing needs to be remade Colin yeah. Farrell <gasps> has second you change your mind no, you you said everything, just everything, everything, and nothing can be remade. <laughs> this is where, this is my stamp. Is Mickey the new Buddha? He's just like, yeah. Oh, if it gets remade, yeah. If it doesn't, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a body of a god Buddha. <laughs> what, what did you call the new Dickert? But basically, means he spends his whole day in his cart. I watch, therefore I criticize. We shall move on to topics. Everybody, ignore the topics that Shan Cloud brought. Topics up your bike and just get your topics ready, sir. What our own. French teacher used to say. <laughs> Not like is a that French? Demonstrate for you late topics. Regard. Regard. No, no. Champ attention. It just means look. <laughs> I don't know. It's the only word of French I remember. Bar bonjour. And discotheque. 
and chocolat. Oh, chocolat. And what else? Do I remember from French? You know stacks of French. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> you could get a job in France. Fuck me. They're having them out there. Fucking hell. Nobody wants to anymore. Oh, actually, fucking pure cheap wine. Maybe I'm being unemployed. It'd be lethal. Uh, <laughs> Down out in Paris and Londonderry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, our topic this week is the Oscars is coming up next week. So we're going to talk about uh, the main categories, give some predictions about who we think will win and who we think should win. Different things. I like it. Okay, so we'll kick it off with Best Supporting Actor. So we have Christian Bale for The Big Short. We have Tom Hardy for The Revenant. Mark Ruffalo, I know, (laughs) for Spotlight. Uh, Mark Rylance, Bridge of Spies, and Sylvester Sloan Creed. So who do we think will win? Who do we think should win? Well, can I just say that, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk now about maybe, like, you know, the Oscar. I don't want to skip ahead, but, you know, that uh, Mad Max might get a lot of uh, attention because it's, you know, it's a great, bombastic film that made people a lot interest, a lot more interesting film. You know, there's people coming up to me talking about Mad Max, and maybe Tom Hardy gets attention for that. But they say his character and the way he portrays him in The Revenant is incredible. I mean, it's really, it's a sort of overlooked aspect of that film, I think. Uh, I mean, people talking about Donald Gleeson, New Kid on the Block, and obviously Leo, the entire narrative surrounding him, and obviously the type of film that it is with the hard shit and everything, but I think, you know, Hardy was fantastic in that film. See, it's strange because I would actually sit out of all in bar Christian Bale, Tom Hardy's probably got the least chance of winning because yeah. you, you have to look at it as a scorecard, and the, the way it usually works is you look at, like, the Golden Globes, you look at the uh, Screen Actors Guild, you look at the BAFTAs, and you can usually see a trend, and, and Hardy hasn't even been nominated in a lot of those... Other, you know, a lot of those are uh, award shows so that first of all is a bad sign not only that but because the Reverend's probably going to sweep up a lot of the bigger ones I think that you're exactly right in what you're saying but you, you can't have to look at it it's fucked up in a political sort of way so for me it was strange Mark Rylance won Best Supporting Actor at the BAFTAs now the BAFTAs are notoriously uh, unpartisan they would usually go for British actors Yeah. so I think that's near enough one of the first ones he's won Sylvester Stallone wasn't even nominated at the BAFTAs, but I think Stallone's gonna win I it. I think Stallone will win. It. I think personally Stallone will win it because they like to do this thing with honouring somebody when they come to end their career. Yeah. Stallone's seventy one. The fact that he got nominated for Creed was a bit of a surprise, and as well, actually, is a really good performance, one of the best. But it, it, it it's kind of strange in a way because Stallone's never been considered a great actor. People usually associate his greatest performance with being Rocky which is what obviously won his first Oscar for back in 1976. And Hollywood loves a Friday too. 40 years after Rocky, they get nominated then for the spin-off of Rocky Creed. They won another Oscar. I don't know, I'd say his best competition might be Rylance, but until the BAFTAs, Rylance wasn't really making much traction either. I think it'll be between them two. Can't quite put my finger on it yet. It's strange because there's a common complaint about... Best Sporting Actor, Best Sporting Actress, that, well, in, in, in recent years, in a way, that there's not a lot of great roles. It's kind of been a, a, a dead pool recently. Of it's, it's almost like, oh, just give it to whoever, you know, we like the most. But, but yeah. not performance-wise, it's just like, you know, who's done enough in Hollywood or who's done, you know, the best work previously in, you know, the, the, their career. So it's a strange one. I actually do think in the Sporting Actress and Sporting Actor uh, categories this year that it's a, it's a buddy, I wouldn't say... It's, I wouldn't say a weak year, but it's a weaker year than most. You know what I mean? Uh, I think Sylvester Stallone will win it. 
And as well, you know what? That is a very good performance. I I, I would like him to win as well. So my heart and my head's going for Stallone. But you see, right. that's one thing sorry, I have a problem with a lot of time with Oscars. That it is about politicking. It is about what like film has an agenda or what you know what. Well, that, what you're exactly it's, it's, well, that's the fucking nature of the beast. Like, yeah. I mean, like it's all award shows in general. Like, I mean, I don't want to start going off on the one so early in our Oscar discussion. But <laughs> yeah. you know, that's 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 the whole nature. But you have a yeah. sad amount of people making a decision about something that isn't everyone else's opinion. I mean, like, we, we've I mean? discussed this at length before about yeah. how you know so many times you would say maybe 60 percent of the time Oscar doesn't get it right and they don't give it to who actually deserves it. But supporting actor-wise this year, Christian Bale, it's kind of a glorified cameo. He's yeah. in the big short for maybe about 15 minutes. He's quite entertaining, and, but it's not a media role whatsoever. And I like I even said he's not even the best person in that film. Yeah, Steve, Steve Carell is. He should have been on that list. Yeah, yeah, and he's got way more to do. Uh, probably the fact that Christian Bale is a previous Oscar winner, whereas yeah. Steve Carell's not. Uh, Tom Hardy excellent but at the same time not, not a lot that to much do. and not a lot to do but be a really bad bastard really do you think that i, I think, I, I think it, it's, it's a great performance of a bad bastard you know what i mean but you've seen hardy do it a lot i mean besides that what emotional no i mean i know I, I think it is something different as well not i mean there's that scene where like uh you know he gets a gunpoint at him and he says you know i've saved your life twice now and you know there, there's scenes that are dedicated to hardy and you know how He's not even like well, fair enough. He's got like this sort of cutthroat aspect to his character, but he definitely is a person that you can sort of look at and think, Jesus. Well, it's not like he's living in fucking luxury. He's trying his hardest to survive. I thought it was. I mean, Otto the Revenant, which I do have problems with the film to be honest, but uh, I thought Hardy's character was very well established, very well yeah, fleshed he, he out. I thought, and he thought he did a we're, very we're, good we're, way with it. We're not disagreeing with that. We're just saying that. He's not on a lot, and I know that doesn't really mean much because there's been fucking. You know, he's best, a, no, he's, he's in a quite a bit. There's been best actor one. Well, he, he disappears for a good while, Gerald, as well. There's been best actor. Well, hi, sure. So, so, so did Heath Ledger during the Dark Knights. Yeah, uh, Heath Ledger. I you know, sure. it's what, one of those things I've always forgotten. In, in doubt. Yeah, that's Octavia Spencer, who's in one scene. Yeah, she's in it for about four months. That is incredible. She is absolutely incredible in that. But I don't know. Hardy's absolutely standing. Don't get me wrong. He bounces off DiCaprio so well. I'm without Hardy being that intense and just being Hardy because that basically is just fucking has yeah. aware of being ridiculously intense and ridiculously fucking intimidating. I don't think that you would have had the the satisfying payoff that there is when you know kind of DiCaprio chases him down and whatever happens. Not to spoil it. Uh, going through the rest of them, uh, Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance is really good. He's the complete opposite of Hardy, whereas Hardy's really brooding and intense and angry. There's a massive subtlety to Mark Rylance and Bridges Wise. You don't really know what his aims are. You don't know where he's from. You don't know if he's still supporting the uh, the Eastern movement or the way the Russian government is going, and or sorry, uh, the way his people's government is going. But he's just very, very intriguing because of that subtlety. Yeah. And I can kind of see why he's got a lot more to do. He's got some cracking scenes with Tom Hanks as well. I think too, what may work in his favor, not only because of the BAFTA. But it may work in his favour the fact that it's Spielberg and Bridge of Spies is up for like maybe six or seven Oscars and it's not going to win any of them. It's best bet probably is best Mark supporting. Rylance, yeah. yeah, Mark Rylance. But the reason I think it's going to be Stallone is because, like I said before, Hollywood loves a fairy tale. He won the Golden Globe, which is always a major sign yeah. of what's going to happen at the Oscars. And I think it's the best performance. and, and I, I th- not, not even so much the best performance, but he has... A lot more to do, and he has he's a lot more versatile. Whereas I'm saying that Hardy is very brooding and intense. Stallone goes through a lot. He goes through the whole regret of you know Apollo Creed dying in the previous yeah. Rockies. He goes through that sort of torment of actually deciding whether or not to train the new 
fucking you know Apollo Creed's son. What's his name again? Adonis. Adonis. Adonis, Adonis right. Jackson. Mm. And then he has this whole thing about the illness and Rocky's sick. Rocky's sick. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I don't know. I think it'll be Stallone. And I, I don't know. I think he can't you see, it so well. Is it, I, like I was going through these earlier, and I, I was I actually made a list of like, oh, who do you think will win and who do you think should win? And this was the one time that actually lined up for me, and I put down Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I, I I I actually think he was incredible in Spotlight. Phenomenal. And, and he, like, like uh, when when you were talking about it on the podcast, Shan, that there's no real big standouts in the film. It's really like an ensemble piece. But if there was if there was a standout, it's Mark Ruffalo. I think it's a fact as well that he has the one standout scene. Yeah, where he's, where he's, where he's I, screaming at Michael Keaton I, about how they have to do something. Yeah, and any time that you've seen the you know the way when they go and the nominees are and they show I, like that, a quick that's the that, Oscar bit. That, that's the scene <laughs> yeah. that they keep showing. I would love it. I mean, like you know yourself, I, like Spotlight was my favorite film of last year, but I think that because it's more an ensemble piece, he's quite like you know yourself subtle and brooding throughout most of that and then he's got that very Oscar-y scene which is fucking phenomenally well played yeah. and really really rousing and stuff but I just think that the academy and the width of history is kind of maybe pulling see, away from him my, my, my thought on it was that I, I don't think Spotlight is going to get best picture so and because it is an ensemble piece that they'll give it something so maybe I Mark Ruffalo the, the one the one that no the one that it'll get again because I'm nearly sure it won the Golden Globe and won the BAFTA Usually, like we said before, if an if a film is up for a, a serious amount of Oscars and it's not looking like that, it's. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Funny one anything will usually give it one. Sometimes it feels like a party Oscar, but I do think because of how it's going this year that Spotlight will win Best Original Screenplay. I think that's yeah. the one that's going to win. I think it'll one best version. I, they'll give he, it something. Who's it up against? It's up against Ex Machina. Ex Machina, which I don't think has any other nominations. Bar but the... I'm so happy that that's in there because oh, it's definitely. an it's incredible film. And just it was the, very under the radar at the time as well, like, wasn't it? it was like you know, it was early. yeah, it was like March. I, it but not even that. It, it didn't even get a wide release. I don't think you know no, uh, compared to. I mean, I, we didn't get in Derry at all. Like you know, I watched it in Belfast. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's that sort of thing where you know it, it wasn't this big film. Like not the man on the street would know it. Big time, and I think Bridge of Spies is a good film, but it's it's just very Oscar and it's very on the nose. Even though the Coens wrote it, it's not a Coens film. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's 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 very much like a sort of it's a film about political intrigue and, and an almost sort of espionage in the nineteen sixties. And it's very well written and it hits all the right notes, but there's nothing really different being done there. I think it's more down to the performances of Rylance and Hanks and obviously Spielberg's direction that that brings that forward. What else is up for best original screenplay? Uh, it's Ex Machina, Bridge of Spies. 
Spotlight. Bridge of Spies, Ex Machina, Inside Out. Inside Out. Well, that, 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 that's, that'll get just best anime. They'll yeah. never give best original screenplay to an anime. I do, 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 straight, straight, like straight out of Compton as well. Straight out of Compton. I, get, and it's, I think is, that's it, another Ex Machina one, just giving it the nod. Though. I think more so as well that they knew that Straight Out of Compton was a great film, but because, and they're not sure that's one of the few nominations that they got, they gave it a just they show that diversified nomination that they like going for, which is, again, you can say what you want about that. But, anyway, uh, back to uh, supporting actor. So, Shan, you think uh, Sylvester Stallone will and should win? Mm-hmm. Harry, so what What? What do you think? Uh, who you think will win? Who do you think should win? I think Stallone will win the be- best supporting. Even though I think Mark Ruffalo, I think he should win it. You know, he does have that kind of edge. You know, uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> if you want... All of you seen Spotlight? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, see that scene where he goes in, you know, he's banging on the wall, uh, to get the, you know, to get the files, you know, to find. Oh yeah, he's going uh, to the records. The files, give me the files. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a line from it. Anyway, continue. But then, see Stallone's performance and Creed. It's unreal. Like, see, yeah, see if you've watched all the previous Rocky films. That's where you get a lot of your kind of sympathy from, because you realise, you know, his wife's died, his son. Where the fuck did his son go? His son's uh, he's living in North City. He mentioned that at the uh, start. He's saying like, uh, I think I think cider cut his head open or something. And then his, you know, who he considered his best friend, which was his uh, wife's brother, Polly. That's some saying, like his life's worth of shit. Like wife's gone, son's abandoned, Polly dead. I mean, lives in a shithole. <laughs> he loves it. And he owns a, a restaurant that doesn't seem to be doing any business whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but his performance in it, great. I love, I love the film. Well, so you think he that you think that he will win, but you think that Mark Ruffalo should win? Yeah. All right, fair enough. Then. Okay, uh, we shall move on to best supporting actress. And I'll hold my hands up right here. I've only seen one of these films. <laughs> so we have Jennifer Jason Lee for The Hateful Eight. We have Rooney Mara for Carl. We have Rachel McAdams for Spotlight. Oh, no, I've seen two of these films. Okay. Hey! <laughs> we have Rachel McAdams for Spotlight. We have Alicia Vikander for The Danish Garrett. And we have Kate Winslet for Steve Jobs. Can I say one thing, first and foremost? Considering this is an Oscar special, I find that the script will that you have not watched all the Oscar films yet. Right, okay. I tried to, but I was you too... You tried to de- be out for months? I was, I've been too depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say as well, though, Wait, you know, no. No, no, this is a film, uh, sorry, a podcast that is about watching films, and you know this entire bullshit about the Oscars following them all the time and all that sort of crack? It's not. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I will eventually watch all those films... But uh, Jennifer, Lee, Jennifer Jason Lee should win it. But is that the only film you've seen on Loose Vibes? Yes. Like, you... <laughs> <laughs> but I did so, that, I... so is that a fair opinion? Oh, it's not at all. But I, oh, are you sure? It's probably a more fair opinion than the Oscars will do half uh, the time. Sorry. Let's be fair. Like. Oh, snap. Um, um, okay, topical. so I'll I'll quickly say my ones is that it's uh, it's really only between Rachel McAdams and Kate Winslet because that's the two films I've seen, and it's Kate Winslet. Because she's better than Rachel McAdams in Spotlight. Rachel McAdams is a good actress. No, no, Rachel McAdams is great in Spotlight, but I don't think she does anything spectacular, more so than uh, Kate Winslet in uh, Steve Jobs. 
I think early on Sondland spotlight, and it's very, very blatantly obvious. Not only does Rachel McAdams have the least screen time, but she's given the least amount to do. Yeah. I mean, like, I think it's almost she's like, like she's solid in it. Yeah, she's solid, but I mean, but like, there's, there's, like, there's not nothing really there. I think it was definitely about a stunt casting. Like they had like an A-list cast. They're like, oh, we've got this female role in there. Who we get fat? Let's get a top fucking. She hasn't like, done like in a while, has she actually? No, well. She did sex series of True Detective. Yeah, I mean, that, that, and you know yourself as well. Obviously, doing TV takes up a lot of your time. Yeah. So that's probably why she hasn't yeah. done that many films. Uh, yeah, she in that series was awful. But uh, no, it was it was actually it was actually really good all the way along until you got to like the second to last episode. And you sort of realize, right, they don't really know what they're doing with us, yeah. or it's the same thing Pizzolatto does with all of his writing. Where it's just really morbid and bleak, and he doesn't really have any, re- yeah, he doesn't have any resolution or any connection between that and the first, and it just becomes this sort of thing where like, oh yeah, corruption and uh, higher authorities. Danny, are you shit. feeling apoplectic tonight? Who says oh. that? Like, who says that? Some of those Vince Vaughn lines are just crazy. Just, I mean, he's supposed to be a working class, down and dirty gangster, and he's coming out with fucking proper. I mean, there's, there's, there's a scene. Sorry, go ahead, Mikey. Well, but just to, just the kind of draw a line under this because we're not talking about your detective is that we, we season one you had you had that kind of sense you had you had that kind of writing in Matthew McConaughey's character but then it was contrasted with Woody Harrelson's character yeah. but because Matthew McConaughey was such a big hit in series one it felt like oh let's do that more in series two and basically every character was fucking rust yeah. you know what every, I mean? every character was rust there was nobody in any way to sort of contrast that whatsoever and as well just in, in a basic extent of writing none of the characters were as interesting yeah. You know what I mean? And well, I wouldn't even say anything about the performances, but it was just more of the fact that they didn't have as much to work with. But best supporting best actress. Best actress. Best supporting actress. Uh, I f- see this oh, actually, I, 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 for- I forgot to say it because I, I, I made a list of who will win, who should win. I, I think I put down who will win as Rooney Mara because I heard a lot of buzz about her yeah. and Carl and that she's great. Also heard that she's basically the lead. She is. No. Which what, fucks me up. This, this, this <laughs> leads on again. This is the politics. This leads on to what I'm going to say. I think the Rooney Mara will win, and I think that Rooney Mara should win. Like we said already, at uh, like even the Cannes Film Festival and at a stack of kind of lower sort of European festivals, uh, Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara were up against each other for Best Actress. But obviously, being the Oscars and trying to split the vote and give the obviously the uh, the produ- sorry not the producer the distributor trying to give the film a better chance of actually winning more Oscars, yeah. deemed Rooney Mara as a supporting actress, even though she is 100% a leading actress, along with Kate Blanchett. She is heading above, heading above the best performance out of those five. It's a common, common complaint, and it's been going on for about 30 years, that best supporting actress is the throwaway category because there's not a lot of good roles for women, and it's just getting worse and worse. Well, I'll, I'll say two things. The first thing is that, uh, do you ever hear about... Uh, Whenever Fincher was doing the girl with the dragon tattoo, it was after he did the social network, and Rooney Mara, you know, applied to audition, and Fincher was all, you know, th- this isn't for you, this isn't, so you can't play Elizabeth Sandler, uh, and she came in and she fucking nailed it Thank because you. the thing is she's got that depth and that not sort of. That, uh, but when she went for that role, she went proper method. Even before she had the role, she had like shave her head and get yeah. like, nipple piercings and like fucking I, I don't know what else she's done. But yeah, she overtly like, sexual and was reading feminist literature and you know very much a uh, very. Uh, What's the word? You know, yeah, but no, I will, right. say, I will say one thing as well. Uh, is not sexist that his best actor and best actress? No, she, do you not think that she should just be? 
best actor? It's, it's not no. Best supporting actor? It's, it's no. not, it's not really sexist close. because obviously they're, I mean, like, usually, fair enough, it's fitting on the gender stereotypes, but it's not always fitting on the gender stereotypes, but they're usually playing different sorts of roles because obviously how a woman's life is in the modern world and how a man's life is in the modern world, they, they follow on certain roles, they do certain things, so no, I don't think so. But no, you say in the modern world, but, you know, I don't think that's as uh, established as what it is when you watch film. Do you mean that you know? Uh, you know, oh, no, but that, she's but, a femme fatale. No, no, she's the no, but that's even cementing that more that there's different roles for men and women, and so if you're comparing those, then it'll there obviously will be some kind of bias towards what. That's they, fine, they, but both of them are acting. I, I know both of them are acting, so she would not just judge them against each other as no. well as you know other people that are seen. Why, why are you dividing among gender? Should we maybe have the best black actress, the best black actor? Do you know what I mean? Because they're obviously taking like different uh, roles or different, you know. I, I, but if, 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 if you take it that do. way, then you're going to have fucking twenty best actors. Aye. So it's so it's nonsense. So why do we have a uh, best male and best female? I, because I don't it's 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 it's, it's a simple division that you can that you can make. Yes, they're di- you're dividing them, so maybe you can say that's sexist. But it's a simple thing of they're playing completely different kinds of roles at times. And yeah, but yeah, that's a, that's a yes. figure in Hollywood, isn't it? No, but no. Well, but I mean, I guess we'll put this. But, but it's, it's like just saying, even if you want to go on a, on a social aspect, if you want to go on the sport, why divide? You know, women's football, men's football. No, I, I don't accept that. I don't I know, accept I know, that. I know, I know, obviously, it comes into physical, but obviously, these people are playing different roles in their different ways of life. Women and men go about their lives in certain ways, and they have different experiences. Obviously, women, if you would say, on a social level, they might have pregnancy, they might have discrimination because obviously, there's a fucking rampant amount of sexism in the world. Whereas men will have different roles in, in certain jobs that, that men do or certain things that we go about our lives in. I don't know. I, th- I think it's massively... Uh, if you, it's, 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 it's comparing two different things and putting it into one category. I mean, he, because even in a, like a, a best actor category or a best actress category, all those all those performances are different in some kind of way. They're uh, you can say they're all acting, but then even on that kind of subgenre of oh, they're all doing different things. So what's the best? Even that is a hard kind of distinction yeah. to make. So if you're saying put it all together, then like you don't know what you should be going for. I mean, uh, they take it a different way as well. We looking at best director. There's, I think there's a distinct line between the there's two directors that did big massive blowout visual things and then there's two directors that did very calm withdrawn and, and you know what's the best direction in that air is it the is it the more better performances they got out of the actors or is it the big visual thing that they, you know there's so many different things in it and i think you're just complicating it if it's if you're lumping it all in together and it's just a division that you can it's a simple division that you can make that it's just men and women. They're playing different things. It is. It's inherently different things that they're doing anyway. So why not well, have that? That's it's a fucking cracking point. But on top of that too, I think just to be nice about it, is it not nice just to give out more awards and respect more performances? No. <laughs> there should be one award. Just <laughs> the best. Oscar for just best person. <laughs> just best thing. <laughs> Congratulations, you won best thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, best. I, but I was just playing devil's avocado there for a second. I so. know, I know, I know you were. No, it's actually an interesting thing you bring up. But I think in- inherently it is just. It yeah, makes but sense no, I will say no. I mean, because then you could say like, oh, why, why is it? 
lead actor and supporting actor, they're doing different things. We discussed the diversity problem in the Oscars a couple of weeks back, and we've also discussed the fact so many times over of the lack of good roles for women. Hence why I think what started this was the fact we're talking about best supporting actress always being a sort of a place that people have kind of turned up their nose to because there's not a lot of good roles for even best leading women, never mind best supporting women, and it's usually degraded down to roles where they're kind of playing up the gender stereotypes. But... <coughs> Thankfully, this year, I think Rooney Mara should and will win because it is a phenomenal performance about a woman constrained by her social setting going into this lesbian relationship with another woman. And it's just so delicately done. Her and Kate Blanchett, you know, with each other is fucking phenomenal. It's, you, you, oh. There's, oh. <laughs> but they're, they're We're so trying to be all sensitive about fucking... Once you bring up sex, man, <laughs> it's, it's, we're just it's, nonsense. It's, it's, yeah. just this, it's this repressed emotion and this repressed love that they can't do until they get into this hotel room. And then, fair enough, you could say that this, the sex scene is not gratuitous whatsoever, but it's one of the few times that I've seen a sex scene and especially a Hollywood film, especially between two women, that hasn't been done for a gratuitous nature to please a male audience. It's done, there's essentially no nudity whatsoever, and it's basically both on their faces looking at each other and just these kind of gentle touches. And you, 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 in a way, you kind of feel every touch because it's they've been bursting to get this emotional outlook, you know what I mean? And, they've, and because of the time period they're living in, it, it was impossible. But she is phenomenal. Kate Winslet won the BAFTA. Again, that is just the fact that she's British. And Kate Winslet is decent in Steve Jobs. She, an Jobs. Old Steve, Jobs, Steve, Jobs, Steve Jobs. She puts on a horrendous Polish accent. Did you not notice that when you're watching Steve Jobs that yeah, the, her accent changes? What the fuck? Like in the first, and no, you brought the, this up a while back. In the first scene, the first sorry, the, the first I, the, actor, I, the she has first no time. accent. No, no, th- there is there. It's it's a very subtle thing, and it it gets more Polish as it as it goes along, but uh. I, I, I never think, like, even towards the end, I don't think it's really, like, unbelievably, like, strong, thick Polish accent. I mean, it's always a bit, a bit subtle, but, yeah. Uh, the, the, but I, I still think it was, a, it was a great performance in the sense that I can't, I, for, I forgot that I was watching Kate Winslet. Yeah. <laughs> and but, it was, it was, it's going to be a thing I bring up with the best actor thing as well, but I, that's why I was just kind of, it, it's, that whole film just kind of messed me a bit. Yeah, I, do think that Rooney Mara should and will win? I think our main competition is Kate Winslet, but if Kate Winslet was the one, I think it's 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 quite I know. it's quite a two D. It's literally a secretary role. She's yeah. got a secretary role to Steve Jobs, she, and like she's she, got one scene she, where she, she calls him out on yeah. his problems of being a father. Whereas Rooney Mara is just on point that whole film. I and know, she's, and she's basically a lead. I I from from what I've heard about it, it should definitely be Rooney Mara, and if Kate Winslet does one, it's a bit of a joke. Yeah, Harry, what were you going to say? I was gonna say about in terms of like the only two I you know know from the list of best actresses is I don't even know her name. You know, it's this girl from <laughs> the Danish girl, <laughs> Alicia Vikander. Yes, yes, yeah, Sarah. She was very good. She should have been nominated for X Machina. I think it was like at the Golden Globe. She had a best actress and a best supporting actress nomination. Yeah, for X Machina and the Danish girl, but they've degraded her performance in the Danish girl again like Rooney Mara to best supporting actress mm. yeah that's, yeah which she is basically a co-lead with Eddie Redmayne but whatever uh, it's it's the standard politics of the Oscars bastards okay the next category is best actor we have Brian Cranston for Trumbo 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 Boop. Boop. 
Uh, Matt Damon for The Martian. Leo DiCaprio for The Revenant. As huge ass. Sorry. <laughs> Michael Fassbender, Steve Jobs. Uh, in Steve Jobs. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Redmayne in The Danish Guard. As Lily Ebb. Einar Wigner. Number, number. Oh, very well pronounced. Right. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> Can I say one thing with The Revenant as well? Like, uh, right, It's one of these films where it's like, uh, I do think that Leo will probably win. Uh, no, as, Dan, there's, there's absolutely, Leo has won already. Like, you think so? Like, can, there's, can, there's no, there's no can doubt Can we all whatsoever. agree Leo is going to win? Le- yes. no, no, I mean, like, I would love that he put, <laughs> I would love that he put every, like, my fucking house on Leo won. He, he has won. I think Leo will win. I think Michael Fassbender should win. What? Curveball? Why this so? Is, because, as as I said, we can't win. So Steve Jobs? Stay, yeah. <laughs> as Steve Jobs and Steve Jobs. Um... See, he was playing two characters. (laughs) (laughs) Duality. That that immediately multiplies his fucking chances. He showed the duality of man. Um, (laughs) No, honestly, like, we're all big Michael Fassbender fans. And I've said about uh, Leonardo DiCaprio before, like, when I watch Leonardo DiCaprio film, I'm watching Leo on screen. And that lessened it a bit in The Revenant. Like, I felt like... I didn't watch Leo so much, mm-hmm. and maybe it's because was, he was a bit gruff or whatever. But when I watched Steve Jobs, I never once thought about Michael Fassbender. I, I think he, he nailed that character so much that I felt like I was watching Steve Jobs. And even better, the fact that he looks nothing like Steve yeah. Jobs or anything like that. I mean, because like originally it was supposed to be like Christian Bale that was supposed to be playing, and Christian yeah. Bale looks a bit more like Steve it Jobs. Was a, yeah, it's a troll production journal. Yeah, I know. I had to resolve because I. Actually, with the direction of that film, which I shouldn't be going on, but I think Dave Fincher might have done a better job than Danny Boyle, but it doesn't matter. Mm. But I well, think what, what, the, what about Kutcher compared to uh, Fastbender? Well, I didn't see the Ashley Kutcher one, so mm. I couldn't possibly comment. Daniel. Kutcher's up here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, like the whole way through that film, I never felt once that I was watching Michael Fastbender doing yeah. uh, acting. You know, I, mean? I I felt like I was watching Steve Jobs, and I I just I was so immersed in his performance. Honestly, I thought the film was all right. I wasn't yeah. too mad about it, okay. but I thought his performance was amazing, yeah. and I was engrossed in his performance. And it's the only film that I felt like that with the characters. And have I seen all his films? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I haven't seen Trumbo or The Danish Girl. I can actually say so. I can be talking about my whole. It's quite a weak year, isn't it? I well, mean, no, well, not really. It's, there's it's, not, it's, 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 there's it's no Diane Day Lewis. Yeah, there, it's it's a weaker year than than most, but it's the, it's not the weakest year I've seen. There's been, mm. a, in all fairness, it's actually quite worrying because I think in the past five years there's been a fucking kind of multitude of weaker years. It, the last time I can remember there being a properly strong year, I think was maybe two thousand and eight. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would, no, I don't know. Yeah. and it was just a really, really good year. But no, anyway, but it, well, was it not last year? Like Tom Hanks didn't get even get Best Actor because uh, for was it last year? He was he did Captain Falls. Yeah, that was like two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. he didn't even get on Best Actor because no. there was so much good performance. No, I, I mean just as a, I mean not just in a certain category. I mean oh, just as the Oscars. And as well, I know for a fact that that final scene in Captain Falls has a wee special place in your heart because you it think makes... it's one of the best performances, and you're exactly right. I know. Shake I my fear. if I want to cry myself to sleep, I just watch that scene. That's phenomenal. <laughs> uh, I think the cap. I know that the Caprio will win, and I think he should win. I love Fastbender as well, considering the fact that the film itself, I wouldn't say mediocre, but it's a bit bland. I think using that free Especially act, towards the end. Yeah, I think using that free act structure was smart in a way to kind of, well, basically structure Steve Jobs' life. But then, like you said, when it comes down to the climax, 
it just kind of runs out of steam a wee bit because yeah, really if you're taking three desperate moments in a man's life and then just kind of squashing them together, then you don't really get the full marker of the man. You know what I mean? You I don't know. Really get the full. You don't really get the full. I would say, what's the word I'm looking for? The full picture of what he is. is yeah, impression of who yeah, he is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I did love his performance, especially for everything you talked about. Even more so the fact that it doesn't look like Steve Jobs. But I just think the cap. I mean, like when it comes to really proper nailed down acting the Capro for I'd say well what is it what's the revenant about maybe two and a half hours long mm, and yeah. I would say for a good maybe hour and a half stretch he is acting on just body language alone and yeah. he's working on nothing with no dialogue whatsoever literally crawling through the muck and has dialogue as grunts and just fucking kind of moans of pain and to get that across even once Shows a good actor who's completely involved and completely knows what that character is and what that character's going through. And fair enough, I the, the makeup department and the fact that he looks so grubby and stuff like that takes it away from the fact that Leslie and Erda Kepi are watching. I do think that it's very, very tough even the ever completely withdraw yourself, Matt, if you're watching Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio. Completely, yeah. I think it's, yeah. it's very hard, but I think that in that film not just because of DiCaprio's performance but because of what The Revenant was, I think they do that very well. I, I, I do think that for me, anyway, if DiCaprio will win, they should win because he, he's heading above any other actor. Trumbo is a very kind of idealised slice of maybe American history. And, you know, Brian Cranston is very good and he's very charming. You know, it doesn't really have to do too much. It, it I haven't seen funny. it, but some of the clips I've seen, it looks very Hollywood, like classic Hollywood even style, but I that's think, what I they th- were going I for. Think, yeah, exactly. I think they were definitely trying to make a film that looked in that classic Hollywood style because obviously Trumbo was a screenwriter yeah. of those classic Hollywood films. Uh, Fastbender, we've discussed. The Capro, we've discussed. The other two were... Uh, Eddie Redmayne. I think if Eddie Redmayne has an uphill struggle in the fact that, first of all, he won it last year and it's very tough to won two in a row. Second of all, I think he's not going to win it because, for me, the Danish girl's just very boring. I think it's... It's 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 a very rousing tale, especially when it's talking about people who are transgender, and it's almost like the the birth of trans transgenderism in in the kind of the modern age. Apparently, well, according to Kiwi, was talking about a couple weeks back. He or she, sorry, was one of the the first examples of that in Europe. Well, yeah, just just to say those. Well, I mean, transgenderism is a sort of big thing we see, you know, online or at yeah. least involving in politics nowadays. Yeah. That you know, uh, which in front of those people should be completely respected. But it's the sort of thing that you know. Nowadays, we're actually seeing him come to the forefront and having an actual voice yeah. and big opinion. So maybe that's films at the right time. I want some saying like I because also like we like with last year with Jared Leto, he played a like well, it wasn't Dallas a trash Yeah, uh, was that two years ago? Two years ago, yeah. Yeah. fucking hell, yeah, I know, Jesus I know. <laughs> but uh, like even shows like Transparent and stuff, like all that, mm. all that uh, transgender stuff has is coming to the forefront. So maybe uh, I think. Uh, Eddie Redmayne's kind of coming to maybe towards the tail end. That not that it's ending, but it's kind of already made its but, impression but, but, I mean, on. Which, it. I, I I don't I don't want to see the transgender movement as being some sort of chic or niche movement. That I know, no, but that, that's what I'm saying. saying. Yeah. I don't think he's going to win exactly. because he's I, playing a transgender. I, say, I, I know where you're coming from, but I don't I don't want to see it as a chic or niche movement that's just getting awards just because you know it's 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 in the moment that's in the now because obviously mm-hmm. it should be a thing that everybody's discussing in decades they come because they are a subculture of people who deserve respect and have been kind of fucking pushed down for years and years but in saying that I don't think that a performance should win best actor just based on that because yes. it is quite a bland film and yeah. I mean like he does shine through he's excellent on it you know he, he, he really is excellent but it's just a lot of the scenes are very 
Oscar-y, if you will. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just, it's obviously Oscar bait as the title like, goes. Like, a lot of those clips are Oscar clips. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the final one for Best Actor was... Uh, yeah, oh, was... Matt Damon in The Martian. That's oh. just not. That's yeah, well, no, I, like, no, no, I, no, 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 I was surprised by Damon. No, I he, thought it was very he, good. He was good, but then... I can't believe he's nominated. Dan, it is the dread. I cannot believe he's nominated. Comedy performance. You know what I mean? It's like the comedy ghetto, it's, it's well, not going to happen. Well, it did win Best Comedy at the Golden Globes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly <laughs> where they split it down. Yeah. I, the Martian won Best Comedy see, at the Golden Globes. That's crazy, No, but man. see, the, the Golden Globes no, split their acting Golden categories Golden. on the dramatic and comedic. So it gives yeah, them a performance. You know, uh, no, no, well, actually, it won't... Uh, Technically, won best musicals. <laughs> it's <laughs> comedy or musicals, the category. Oh, yeah. well, that's well, it's essentially no. all other films that aren't dramatic. Even right. though The Martian is not a fucking comedy. No, it but I will, say, of... I will say as well, no, I, I went to cinema to see The Martian. And, uh, right, it sort of lost me by the end scene. I was sort of a uh, non-plus with There's a few things. Well, you know, the scene with Donald Glover. I think I used to talk about this before. Yeah. But just to say, if you watch Moon, uh, Duncan Jones, David Bowie's son, Fantastic film, but done in a very like you know a uh, you know space exploration and living on a, a planet in space in a very dark way. Even though there is quite a good bit of comedy in it, great. But then if you go and watch The Martian, it's exact opposite. It's a very funny film yeah. with a wee bit of darkness to give you maybe some sort of gravitas towards yeah. the story. I think uh, I I know I enjoyed The Martian. I just thought you know. I was going on this year with this golf film. Now I've seen fucking Blade Runner and Gladiator, and you know I thought it was going to be. Hopefully, something along those sort of lines. It's it's a popcorn muncher. Like, yeah, it really is. But it's it's all right. And I was quite surprised with all this God, who, like you said, you know, done Alien, Blade Runner, Gladiator, which are kind of darker looks. Oh, I was going to say darker looks at history or darker looks into the future. <laughs> but uh, it was kind of strange. That I think of all the Ridley Scott films I've ever seen, it's it's his most lighthearted. Yeah. Mm. I, I like the fact that it made a lighthearted and it is so funny. But I uh, do think that a wee bit more sort of darkness need to be in there because when you actually yes. take a step back yes. and look at it it is a man trapped millions of miles from earth and i think that and he spent years by yeah, himself i think he? damon is really entertaining and really engaging and he is the main crux of the film and he's the reason it's entertaining but if you're actually looking at a, a proper story of a man being trapped on mars then he would not be that upbeat well I, I, one second as well let's talk about damon i mean like he's a fellow who obviously uh goodwill hunting won the oscar with ben uh, ben had an absolute nightmare with Jiggly, but then uh, he's become the, a respected director. You know, he's somebody who people look at in Hollywood, and, and he's very good. Oh, well, yeah, now he's a new Batman, so, you know, he's he's the pinnacle of Hollywood. What about Damon? I mean, what's he doing? I mean, obviously, he had the Bourne sort of uh, run of films, but, you know, he's iffy. I mean, he got very political after a while, didn't he's he? Not, he's not iffy. We did discuss this before, is that Damon was fucking, he was chewing it up in the early 2000s. He had the Bourne series, and then he had just... Then a series of films he had with the informal with Steven Soderbergh. That was very Soderbergh. good. That was, was very. Ve- I love that. It done yeah, no box. It done mm. no box office, and it just kind of yeah. dipped a bit. And since Born has kind of ended, it's strange because I was even looking at his IMDb recently. Damon yeah. hasn't really done much in the past couple of years. I, like he's done like some side stuff, like he, yeah. like True Grit and even an Interstellar. Oh yeah, Le Bouffe. Damon has Le Bouffe. Damon's like forty four, forty five. But it's, I don't know if he if he's going on the you know maybe doing our projects or maybe he's looking at producing or maybe he's going to do charity work because I know he does no, I, charity work. Yeah. But it's strange that at the height of his powers after Born. You would assume that he would explode and leave more and done all these leading roles, but it seems like he kind of went on the strange. Oh no! He could have been like a new Tom Cruise. No, I completely. I think he was busy because he bought a zoo. <laughs> well, He's been busy taking care of Z. In all fairness, that was an R bomb. I think it was, it was it was a combination of him sort of entering his weird sabbatical, even when he was the top of his career. 
but then also the very few roles that he did choose were not that great. But anyway, going off that, he's not going to win the Oscars or whatever. Um, I so Harry quickly, what do you think about best actor? Okay, we'll move, move on. Leonardo <laughs> yeah, yeah, DiCaprio. Yeah, Straight all up. the way. Bam. Okay, best actress: Kate Blanchett for Carl, Brie Larson for Room, Jennifer Lawrence for Joy. What the fuck? Charlotte Rampling for Forty Five Years, Saoirse Ronan for Brooklyn. I'll hold my hands up right now. I've only seen Brooklyn, so Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll say one thing: uh, Kate Blanchett is probably my favorite actress. I think she's absolutely phenomenal. She is amazing. If you look at her, I mean, um, there's so many films she's in. She's incredible. The one that sticks out to me is Hannah. I mean, she's... Really lar- Sorry, what? Kate Blanchett? Kate Blanchett and oh, Hannah. Fuck, she's in Hannah too. She's a mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you're you talking about using Sarah Sharona. No, yeah. How you I, blocked her? You, <laughs> it's like you're mixing up Sarah Sharona and Kate Blanchett. No, I'm all with Kate Blanchett. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm in as well. I love Sarah Sharona, but it's not her time. I think Kate Blanchett might want it. Well, no, for her performance in Brooklyn, it's a, like I actually really enjoyed Brooklyn, and it's a great performance she gives, but it's it's not fucking. It's not put this way. It's a very good performance. It's a very nice, watchable film that we talked about. Yeah. But it is basically like a fucking conveyor belt historical drama. Yeah. There is nothing on there that is any way out of the ordinary, but that's what makes it so watchable and so enjoyable. And but for the very aged. Academy and Oscar committee who enjoy films like that, which reminds them of the studio system. That's why films like this get nominated. Not only that, it is very well made. I know. I I, I actually really fucking love Brooklyn. Like I, like the more I thought about it, the more I actually realized I enjoyed it. It's just a kind of different film for me to watch yeah. generally. And I watched it with Jill, and she really liked it and stuff. But uh, from Buzz and all, and from what I hear, I think it's Brie, Brie Larson. Larson. So Brie, Brie Larson has a sewn up as well. It's 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 almost the same as the Capru. Again, I would give me a house or whatever pennies I got. Brie Larson has won every award in the build-up. Uh, she's got all the hype. And I do. I, you know what? It's kind of neck and neck because Kate Blanchett is excellent as well. But like we were saying before, Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara and Carol were two leads. And they're as good as the sum of their parts. They complement each other really well, whereas Brie Larson carries that whole yeah. thing. Well, look at the Academy. Show. They'll probably give the supporting actress Oscar. You know, to yeah, uh, well, Rooney Mara. And then, yeah, But that's fair as well. You know, Brie Larson? She's a fantastic actress. Oh, phenomenal. Sure is, yeah. What we said before is that Brie Larson has been up and coming for a couple of years. She'd done a lot of sporting stuff in the likes of Trainwreck and a Spectacular Now. And then she also had a crack in Indy, which I recommended uh, a few weeks back, called Short Term 12, which she's fucking phenomenal in. But then she takes that in room and just ramps it up again, the 11. And the reason that it's even better is because I think it's the most difficult performance out of all the performances there. Because it is her and a seven-year-old boy trapped in a room for the first 40 minutes. And then as soon as they get out of the room, which isn't a spoiler because we've discussed it before in a podcast, (laughs) it is her integration back into society. Mm. And I mean, whereas you can maybe go, if, if you're maybe trying to display a lesbian trapped in you know 1950s New York or if you're trying to display an older woman who's in a loveless marriage like Charlotte Rampling in 45 years mm. then you can go and maybe talk to people who experience that but there's very few people you can go and talk to about you know what's it like to be trapped in a fucking room by a psychopath for 8 years yeah. with a child and then yeah. have to integrate back into society mm. so I am assuming that she had to draw up all those emotions herself and she is fucking as, as, as I said actually a few weeks back that even the subtle scenes when they're trying to integrate back into society, where she's just kind of expo- or child and her just experiencing like even talking to people again, mm. it's fucking heartbreaking. Can I just say you know between uh, Brie Larson and uh, for me in a way Mia Vazikowski, 
it, I think I think Mia's unbelievably yeah. good. I mean, I think she's fantastic. You know, she's I think got she's a. Great as well. I mean, she's got a certain gravitas towards her, and uh, you know, obviously Stoker. I mean, I I love Park Chan-wook, so that entire pull that she has just works completely. There's a wild lot of very good young actresses in Hollywood right now. Like it's a great thing to see. I mean, oh, completely. I mean, like, yeah. you always want to see a new generation of talent coming through, especially when it's actresses who are usually kind of fucking fobbed off in Hollywood. And like we've said, fucking countless times in this podcast, don't get the roles that they deserve, or don't get roles that are, are good enough to they suit them. They usually kind of fall into gender stereotypes of being women who are chasing men. But that's besides the point. But I do think that Brie Larson will want it. And I'll say she should want it, but Kate Blanchett is a very, very close second. That'd be crazy if Brie Larson wins it, though. I mean, That'd obviously, Kate, Kate Blanchett's sort of person you would assume would an Oscar, but Brie Larson wins it. I mean, she was in Superbad, what, like four years ago? It'll, yeah. No, no, no. No, she wasn't. No, no, no. That's Emma Stone, and who else was in Superbad? No, nah, Brie they're, Larson. They're forgotten. <laughs> yeah, uh, she was in Trainwreck. Trainwreck, yeah. I actually wish I watched recently. Very bad film. Yeah, it's not that good. Uh, it's like, let's let's throw as many offensive jokes at a wall and see how many stick, and very few of them do. But the, the, the only bits I found funny was actually from the non-actors. Yeah, like LeBron James. Le- LeBron James I, and John Cena. I think that LeBron James and John Cena are probably the two funniest things in that film, and I yeah. never thought that I'd say that. What the fuck? Uh, anyway. An- anyway, uh, just very quickly going on that, I think that it will be... One of the few times, first of all, as well, just as a side point, Jennifer Lawrence get the nomination is completely because she's a past winner and because she is yeah. the golden girl of Hollywood. And with Brie Larson, I think that it'll be the most surprising one ever because it's almost like a wild card, you know, in like sporting competitions where she has come from nowhere in mainstream cinema and she probably will win this Oscar. And I guarantee a lot of the people in that audience or a lot of Academy voters wouldn't have known who she was before that performance. Yeah. But so just as well. Thing to see. I actually meant Scott Pilgrim, not Super Bad. I'm Scott just Pilgrim. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> Moving on to Best Director. You have Adam McKay for The Big Short. You have George Miller for Mad Max Fury Road. Alejandro Gonzalez Enrito <laughs> for The Revenant. Well done. Lenny Abraham. Abr- oh, Abramson. Fucked I fucked up the easy one. <laughs> the Irishman. He fucked up the Irishman. I got too cocky with it every day. <laughs> Lenny Abramson for Room and Tom McCarthy for Spotlight. Uh, I think Anaratu will win. I think Anaratu should win, but George Muller should be a very close second. See, I- But I think that George Muller obviously was aided a lot by... Well, fair enough, he used a lot of practical effects, but CJ plays a part in that too. Yeah. So that's more, bet, it's more down to his team, whereas I think in Aratu it's, it's he his had vision, and he vision wanted to go out to this wilderness and drag his crew through complete fucking and misery. Screaming. <laughs> and screaming. and the misery. But at the end of the day, they always say that you can complain with a director for four or five months or however many months of a shoot, and then at the end of the day, if there's a fucking seriously all-encompassing, beautiful-looking film at the end of it, then you go, well, you know what, he was right. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, that was a... We're talking about Troll Productions earlier on. Inaratu... Paul, this way, Tom Hardy, like we were chatting about earlier on, is one of the... He would say, like, a go-getter in Hollywood. He will sink his teeth into any role. He will do anything. He's You know, he takes a lot of risks. And what kind of opened my eyes, the how bad or how treacherous the shoot of the Revenant was sometimes, Tom Hardy refused the shoot on a couple of days because he thought that some of the stunts that Inaratu was demanding of him were too dangerous. Or they they were in like these sort of wild places where you know some of these places maybe very few people had ever stepped before, and it just shows the sort of terrain that they were dealing with. Yeah. So the fact that he dragged them up there, maybe that aided the performances of DiCaprio and the rest of the crew somewhat, which maybe is what he was looking for. 
But the fact that he could do it because shooting the phone is difficult in its own right anyway if you're doing a fucking studio. Doing it in that sort of environment is phenomenal. And well, to deliver then that spectacle is... Aye. It's one of those things where I do think the film is really, really vying for Oscar attention. Like, it it had the hard production. You know, they're out in the, uh, the sticks, you know, really out there. I don't think and that's a prerequisite of, of being Oscar, but... The, of no, 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 the method, though. I mean, you know yourself, like, Daniel Day-Lewis gets so much recognition, but which I mean, he, he should. He's, he's pretty much the only one, but, but he does that to himself. That's not like he... It's not like he put this way. Most of the films that Daniel Day-Lewis has been nominated or won an Oscar for, there will be blood was shot just out in the desert and I'm sure he had all his home comforts but he denied them and that was his own personal choice. My Left Foot, very small Irish production where he probably denied himself and sat in that wheelchair and, you know, kind of basically believed that he was paraplegic in some way and then Lincoln where he probably completely withdrew from the actual cast but it was a Spielberg production, I think near enough done in a lot of studio work. That's his own choice. Whereas Inaratsu didn't give that cast or that crew a choice. He brought them out to the fucking wilderness and in a way I think that I don't, I'm not saying that that deserves an Oscar, but what that created then throughout the crew and even just the fucking unbelievable beauty of some of the shots that they got of this vacant landscape. That right, well, no, I, Lizzie Friend, it wasn't Oscar winning performance, but you know, uh, Daniel DeLuce is Bill the Butcher. He actually got pneumonia because he would not wear the clothes that were appropriate for the yeah, time I, in Martin. I, I no, love no, DeLuce, yeah. but I'm just saying that's, that's his choice. You know what I mean? Yes, that's not but no, but I'm, what I'm saying yeah, though is that they, they no, but what the Academy they look at that and they like it. Yeah, exactly, and that's why DiCaprio probably will win as well because well, yeah. fair enough. DiCaprio is kind of a method actor anyway, but he he had to be a method actor when he was thrown in those sort of circumstances. I know, you know as well. You know, if you look at like you know the actual uh, lineage of film, and you know, eighties uh, and nineties are sort of maybe romanticized a bit too much than what they actually should be. If I just look at DiCaprio, DiCaprio is a phenomenal actor. I mean, if you compare him to De Niro, they're about equal, if you ask me. I mean, Di- DiCaprio's done as much films with Scorsese. He's actually done more films yep. with Scorsese than De Niro has. I think DiCaprio, yeah, he's right about there. I mean... Oh, no, he'll, he'll definitely go down in history as one of the best actors ever. And it's kind of strange, the fact that I think DiCaprio's only 43. And already he's got that sort of mantle bestowed upon him. But we're talking about best director. Not best actor. So, right. I'm, so I'm, I'm for, yeah. for for me, trying to decide about who would win, I think Interactive will win. But thinking about who should win, and I brought up earlier, you have two kind of different classes of directing in this category. Yeah. You have George Miller and Interactive going for big spectacle, fucking out there, fucking madness kind of stuff. And then... Well, Adam McKay and Lenny, not Lenny, uh, Tom McCarthy. I didn't see Room, so I don't know what his directions like. Just very quick one on the R three nominees. I'll never uh, just, win them. Uh, Lenny, Lenny Abramson for Room and uh, Tom McCarthy for Spotlight. The reason that they won't win is more the fact, and it's on the because it was two films that I talked about more we watched over the past couple of weeks. They're very, very similar in the fact that they're great stories with great performances, but, yeah, but directorially, there's not a lot there. Yeah, it's basically like shooting theater in a way, like. I don't get me wrong, that, they were probably exceptionally busy with their jobs and doing yeah. what they had to do, but there's nothing there that stands out as a director. I like with Tom McCarthy in Spotlight, which I have seen, is that he's basically getting out of the way of the story. Like, yeah. he doesn't want to put anything in there that'll Precisely. distract you from the, the story is the star. Yeah. Like, that. I, I, like I said a couple of weeks ago, there's no fat on that story. The yeah. story is the main objective. And anything else outside of the story, like directorial flourishes or subplots that don't need to be there, would actually maybe be insulting to the victims of these heinous yeah. crimes. So that should but, be the only thing. 
but but I but I think that is a is a very commendable thing for him. They just even just to get out of his own way, just to kind of let the story speak for itself. Yes, and to be so confident in what he is doing, yeah. they just do like you don't want to say a standard kind of shot or whatever, but that that kind of belittles it or whatever. But just to kind of get out of the way of the story and just present it as it is. Yes, it's a very it's a very confident show and a director, and I like think. Him. I think that's why he should be recognized and he has been recognized 100%. for it. But that that was the problem I, I was having with it because as well we Adam McKay in the big short, yeah, he added a lot of directorial flair in it and made it very entertaining and had the wee funny bits with Margot Robbie and stuff like that. But towards the end of that, he is just presenting the story and you, you have a, a pretty long scene with Steve Carell just sitting at a dinner table just finding out all this information and it's just about Steve Carell just crumbling just learning this information that the world yeah. is about to implode, basically. Yeah. And the, I just have so much respect for both those directors. I can't really comment on Room, obviously, but I had a lot of respect for both those directors just to kind of present it in that way that they're not trying to direct everything. If you, I no. mean, like, a big thing they're for... They're not trying it, to be showy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. Because a, a a big thing for a director is they get a great performance out of his actors, and then there's that line's always blurred. Is like, is it the actor, is it the director, blah blah. So that's why I was having a problem with trying to come up with who I think should win for this category. But ultimately, I went with George Miller, George Miller yeah. <laughs> because yes, inter- Interati and George Miller they both had big visual styles, and Interati obviously went through hell. They kind of go into all that stuff, and maybe George Miller. Well, they were out in the desert, like, but uh, I think just to kind of like to sustain that amount of action and the amount of stuff he had going on and the amount of choreography that had to go into that, because it's essentially the whole film, like, and they 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 make that interesting, make that entertaining to watch. I think it's a hell of a director achievement. Yeah. I mean, I think it was. I think. Oh, I just think that's why he should be rewarded for that. I think it was like our fourth or fifth episode and we said that never have I watched a film where it was so breakneck and a piss and it was so just visually engaging. I'm like, ridic- I mean like it wasn't even like a, a standard car crashing or it wasn't a standard action scene that you would see in fucking any or convertible thriller or crime film or action film in general. It was proper stuff that you'd never seen before on yeah. screen and it actually looked real because of the use of practical effects. And what stood out to me too is that whereas any other crime or action film will have this sort of pace and then it'll dip off and have its quieter kind of scenes where the characters develop and stuff like that. He was able to develop characters through this breakneck speed and I think it doesn't let up until near enough an hour run. And even when it lets up, it lets up for about two minutes. And even then, <laughs> Mad Max is sniping boys out in the fucking desert. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I went to see uh, you know, Mad Max in the cinema. Obviously, it was... It was incredible. I mean, like, I, I couldn't believe it. There was like, this sort of film that, to me, it doesn't touch it, but it's right beside the Terminator 2 mantle, you know, of yeah. best action films. And I mean, you know, there's a sense as well, though, that this is a sort of film we're watching now that uh, it actually cares about women. Yep. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Of, you know, you know a, it, it actually cares about all the different... It feminist undercurrent there, which yeah. is... Well, very, which is incredible, which is very, very, very good. Very, refreshing yeah. thing to see. Well... Yeah. I heard an argument though that why is Charlie Theron only saving the attractive woman? 
Yeah, that's uh, that's one thing. So, <laughs> See, well, you know, like it's, it's, it's baby steps, like it's, <laughs> steps, <laughs> no, no. it's like, but it's pretty much right. Like you can take it one way though. Like yeah. I mean, like last week when I brought up, well, well, you brought up capitalism of sort, and I I gave my first opinion of it when I was blocked of saying Michael, Ma- oh not Michael, Ma- Michael Murr's loving this shit because people are being thrown out of their house because that makes his documentary. I mean, yeah. it's whereas like, you can take it the other way and think, well, is he not good for documenting these people's plight? Harry quickly. Best director, uh, Alejandro Eraratu. Uh-huh. Boom. Uh, same boat. Oh, that, that, that. I know. Yeah, we already got your answer. Okay. Oh. Uh, okay. We shall move on to best picture. We have The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn. We five now. Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, Room, and Spotlight. Can I go? Who Yo. do you think should win? Who do you think will win? Well, I mean, if the academy worked the way they should do, you know, in terms of uh, getting people involved and interested in cinema and seeing, you know, uh, the stuff a cinema can do that might actually surprise you, I don't even really want this, but I think my Max should win. I, I think it'd be a great, a really great fucking it, stamp. It would be, be a nice, fresh choice. It was like Definitely. someone that, it was like someone that we talked I, about it a couple would, of years It would be like. a big kind of pop culture yeah. choice. Like mm. it's the kind of thing where there was outrage that the Dark Knight wasn't nominated for Best Picture. Not even, not even so much that, but it was a thing that me and Dan discussed a long time ago. Uh, well, not a long time ago, like six years ago. But it was the year that the Social Network was up against, I think, the King's Speech. Yeah, we talked about this. Before. I think that the Social Network is a far better film than King's Speech because the King's Speech is, I mean, like it's the most obvious version of Oscar. But Jeopardy, don't get me wrong, very good film. You know, couple of great performances on there. But you've seen that film time and time again, whereas The Social Network was kind of new, it was fresh, and as well because it was about someone in the modern mindset, you know, the creation of Facebook, but even though it wasn't really about that, it was about kind of the death of friendship, which was nice and subverting. Well, that it, I, I personally think that that should have won, But and everybody said at the time, there were so many articles wrote that this was the Academy's time to show that they're not bitted and they're not dinosaurs anymore. This is the Academy's time to drag the Academy kicking and screaming under the modern world, and they, again, they went for it. that topical sort of film that they always go for. Well, I would say as well, you know, uh, to me, I know, uh, I think this was network, to me, is it's a 10 out of 10 film. It's one of those films I always return to. I've seen both of those films, yeah. and constantly, all the time. I mean, uh, out of that year, come on, The King, the King's Speech is a good film. Good film. Definitely, no, no, nothing against The King's Speech, but come on, this was network film to me, I think that... Well, you see, this, this is why I, I enjoy a lot. say yeah. what Chad was saying, is like, that year, you, there's a legitimate argument to make that the Social Network is a better film than this, than uh, the King's Speech. This year, I don't think there's an argument to be made that Mad Max is better than something like Spotlight. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I, I it, agree. It depends. It depends on the criteria. Though, I, I think yeah, it depends on the criteria. But I get well, where the, Mickey's the, coming the, from. The criteria is best picture. Yeah, well, yeah <laughs> but I think I think that where where Mickey's coming from is that whereas the Social Network, like I said, was about the creation of Facebook, but also you know, which nobody expected about the death of friendship, and it had so many. It's our generation, yeah. Citizen Game, yeah. <laughs> but it had so many more, like la- it had so many more layers than nobody w- that nobody was expecting, which you know w- made it such a, a more so well, like, which made it such a more well-rounded film. Mad Max, at the end of the day, even though it's visually astounding, it is just a big chase action movie with some very nice feminist undertones, which is great to see. But I don't think depth-wise, when you get past that sort of visual spectacle yeah. that you could ever consider it a better or more meaningful form than let alone Spotlight or The Revenant. Now, 
for you, me. Yeah, I I think the Revenant will win. The Revenant will win. But I think Spotlight should win. Same here. I think the Revenant will win. I think Spotlight should win. I think the reason I say this is if you're giving Inaratsu the best director Oscar, which he will win, then that appreciates the Revenant and the fact that it is an unbelievable visual spectacle. And oh, so actually, that would be back to back. Director it Oscars. Won't it won't indeed. Who else has done that, Sean Clark? I cannot remember because I I read this the other day. He will be one of the first, if not the second. Yeah, he's the second, I believe. Was it Frank Capra? Was it John Ford? I think. Oh, I, I don't, think... I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But Sean, I'm pretty sure fair. John Ford. Film didn't exist before any of these. No, I think it was. Uh, I think it like... was John Ford. But anyway, going on that, I I think that uh, in regards to Revenant, if you give the best director Oscar to Yanarazi, they'll appreciate it on an aesthetic level and on a visual level, and of course, obviously, you're respecting the performances through DiCaprio it's a very good film and in all fairness if you're looking at it you're saying oh, well if you got best director and best actor then it should be best picture I just think that Spotlight has been unlucky this year they come up against someone that is so visually outstanding and a performance like DiCaprio's which has kind of swallowed up the rest of the categories if Spotlight came out in any other year it would have swept the board okay Harry best picture who will win who should win as much as I would like to see Mad Max women you know, as you've mentioned before, it's usually the kind of biographical films. Yeah. You know, yeah. the kind of, like, The Revenant, you know, is something that happened, you know, in the 1800s. And then Semi-autobiographical. Uh, and then Spotlight as well. But I'd like to see Mad Max win, but I reckon Spotlight will get it. Really? You think Spotlight gets it? Curveball. I'm hoping uh, Spotlight gets it. I love this yeah, like I love this yeah, The Revenant's gonna get an awful love anyway. Like, yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> fuck them priests. <laughs> no, the priests fuck you. Oh, don't. <laughs> um, oh, 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 Pope like, Francis is crying right now <laughs> over what you just said, man. We shall go into recommendations. Recommendations, Sean. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just sticking with the whole best picture one and thing because we're talking about the Oscars. My recommendation this week is It Happened One Night, 1934, directed by Frank Capra. It was the first film they won the Big Five, so best picture, best director, best actor, best actress, best screenplay. Uh, only three films have done that, or only two films have done that since, which is uh, One Flew Over the Cookies Nest and Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. It's just a great film. It, you know, in a way, it's got this sort of, as it's called now in Hollywood, Capri-esque magic. It's very light. It's basically like a precursor to the romantic comedy. It's Clark Gable, Charlotte Gorb, I can't remember, Charlotte Gorbeau or something like that. She was like, a, I think, a French-American actress. But essentially, she runs away from her marriage to a fella who's just marrying her because her father has a lot of money and doesn't actually love her. When she gets on this bus, she meets Clark Gable's character, who is a reporter, who finds out who she is. And then the deal is, is that if she gives him first dubs on the story, he'll be able to, you know, fucking break the story and get all sorts of money and recognition and blah, blah, blah. But she'll help him get to her husband. Whereas if she doesn't help him, then obviously he'll just reveal her straight away. And it's very fun. It's got elements of screwball comedy. It's only like, I don't know, 90 minutes long. And it's just a very nice watch. Awesome. Uh, my recommendation is also another Best Picture winner. I think it was 2000. American Beauty. Yes. It is oh, amazing. incredible. I love that film. I, I, I really fucking love that film. And it's it just seems a really personal film. And it... 
like even like when I first watched it, I didn't know like one best picture, and I just thought it was a really good film. And just to kind of know that it got that kind of recognition, it's just a really nice feeling that because it's a very small film. Like yeah. there's no there, like like. The war doesn't end or anything. You well, know. yeah, no, no. <laughs> what they put this way, it's about a man who lives in suburbia's Hey, he's just midlife crisis. crisis. Yeah. And Kevin Spacey's fucking amazing. And Lester Burnham? That's his oh, name. That's but that's the first film. I mean, like, it's the first film I've seen where, you know, the voiceover doesn't exactly mean what you think it means. Do you know yeah. I mean? You know, uh, it, it really... It really Shocked me whenever the very ending. I I remember when I was growing up, just talking about the voiceover. I think it's one of the most effective voices I've ever had or I've ever seen. Sorry, I think more so with the fact that Kevin Spacey just understood that character so well, hence why he won an Oscar for it. But it just every even intonation of that voiceover, which is it's a very I mean, like people just think, oh, if you do a voiceover, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, yeah. you just speak in the microphone. But it's getting the intonation, it's getting the feel of that character through voice alone. And also, I know uh, Trivia Tidbit for American Beauty. Sam Mendes won Best Director for that film. Youngest ever Best Director winner. What age well done. 32. Oh. Hi, Mary Day Kate wins at the time as well. Him? Mary Day Kate wins at the time. Mary Day wins at the yeah. time, yes. Peach. Um, <laughs> also, no, just after, uh, no, seriously, just the, after watching that film, it just made me appreciate the true beauty of a plastic bag <laughs> <laughs> Harry recommendation right, did I actually mention two okay no be quick one right. must right. choose <laughs> there must be one <laughs> there's a quote in there somewhere shut up <laughs> okay my first one was a recommendation from a guy from work okay it's a he is I start listening what's to his name what's he doing it is Big Mike Big Mike, Mike. Big Mike and the boys. That is that is not a name. <laughs> Dirty <laughs> Mike and the boys. You may, you may as well said Fat Albert. <laughs> Let them have uh, the recommendation. Um, he recommended to me Cool Running. Such a show. Yes. Uh, such a show with John Candy. Um, I had never, he had, he was actually shocked that I had never seen it before. What? He had never seen Cool well, Running. That's like one of the that is the prerequisite of growing up. Shan Shan Handy Handy by John Candy. You know what I mean? We do it all the time. First yeah, Jamaica so got a bobsled <laughs> team. <laughs> Two seconds, sorry, just before you go back on it. I think I may have told the story before in the podcast. I can't quite remember, so so you can cut this shit out. Also, you have. I know what story. Have you're I? Right well, if I read, I no, 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 tell, 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 tell. Tell it anyway. Uh, a friend of mine, she shall go unnamed. Uh, we went out a couple of years back and went in a fucking absolute rup. Woke up the next day and I had this text on my phone, and obviously both of us were on butts with a hangover, fucked up. She texts me saying, just started crying at the start of Cole Rollins. This hangover has taken over my life. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? <laughs> if you started to cry at the start of Cole Rollins, you're fucked. Anyway, what's so your Harry, recommendation? Have you still not seen Cole Rollins? No, I've seen it. Okay, what'd oh. you think? Class. Yes. Okay. Second recommendation The Departed. Ah. The Departed. A best picture winner also? Falling on the trend? Now, of all the. Like, you have Leo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, and then Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg just somehow and Jack Nicholson and Alec Baldwin and Martin Sheen <laughs> let's not forget them three phenomenal actors <laughs> and Martin Scorsese with the guy you're Mar- butchering this film I, but, no but it's, it's Mark Wahlberg's just as we as we like sarcastic lines yeah Mark, Wal- the, Mark Wahlberg's fucking hilarious in that film what do you call him uh, that he, Dignam uh, 
No, or with that, is that not Martin Sheen's character? No. Cool. Buddy Holly. Can't remember. No, no, it, it's, it's uh, He has Degnum. Well, it's Bob Rose's character. He's Degnum. No. Uh, he, he just goes, Hey, who are you? <laughs> what did you say? Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> well, prepared, well, right? I know, I know. Dan Killen. Recommendation, no. please. Recommendation? Uh, Dan, the microphone's back there. Can we also put a lid on this Frosty Jacks? Because I'm terrified. (laughs) Well, actually, uh, recently I watched Star Island. I actually very much enjoyed it. There's a a wee bit during the very middle of the film where uh, they repeat the same shot again, and it's meant to fuck you up Mm -hmm. as a watcher. You know, as as someone who's in trying to enjoy the film, it's when they actually uh, give someone there that you have to think about, which is great. I will say a thing like that. It's very obvious. Yeah. You, know, you, you get the three quarters of the way through, you know what's going to happen. I think the twist is blatant, but what I've always loved is that Scorsese has so many tricks up his sleeve as a director, and he probably has the greatest knowledge of cinema of anybody loving as a director that he throws on so many references and takes, borrows so many styles from directors he loves, like... Uh, Emmerich, or, or, sorry, Paul and Pressburger from Black Narcissus on the island, and these kind of very vibrant, saturated colours. Well, Sean, can I just say as well, though, if uh, at the time that, uh, you know, uh, Shutter Island was released, you know, if, if they had uh, said those things about, like, oh, the government doing these things to us, you know, we're talking about, it's, we're talking about 50s. Yeah, Black right? Ops, yeah. basically. Yeah. But the thing is, though, if you look at it nowadays, people just, like, yeah. yeah, of course they're doing that. Of yeah. course they're taking a hand. I mean, we all know about MK Ultra, don't we? Yeah, MK Ultra control yeah. your brain. Control your brain, control your mind. I mean, there's absolute there's institutions involved in governments all the way along to control your brain. But I'll shut my mouth. Sure Island is a very very good film. It is very good in terms of paranoia, but it is and uh, after Watergate, that sort of thing. Scorsese really tapped in very, very well to that, and I, uh, I thought it was a very, very good film. Yes, even though it's in the 1950s. Okay, <laughs> and we shall wrap up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, let us know what your Oscar predictions are. We'll collect them and. Theme who a winner is and not seeing a prize. How about that? <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies, or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can also leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, ACAST, and also on Stitcher Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Shanko has been Shanko. Hey! Hari has been Madonna. Oh! <laughs> DK's been fucked. Ah, oh, she's like a spooky joint. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, episode 42. <laughs> oh, the most important Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. Are we going to get an arm into a fucking Terminator 2 or we're talking to Oscars? I'll talk with Terminator 2 if you want. You're the one that brought it up, Chinese shot. Are you taking that? You started this whole thing? I don't remember that. I'm seeming like... <laughs> but I'll talk about Terminator 2 when I talk about it. Best film. Best film. Best film. Well, I don't know why you're bringing up Terminator 2, but <laughs> I'll talk about it. <laughs> Dan hasn't spoken about the Oscars in about 40 minutes. <laughs> you know what? Right. I'll say stop, right. stop talking. We're moving on. Fuck the Oscars. <laughs> right. I don't, even, I don't even understand why we're even talking about them. They're fucking bullshit. Right. Fucking nonsense. That's, that's crap.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 